Welcome to this very special Amazing Race Canada episode of Your Team with the Amazing Race podcast of Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Harmstone and joining me as always is the Canadian who, it's been so long since he saw Amazing Race Canada one that he's basically forgot they went to Kelowna, Logan Sanders. Afternoon. And I'm very pleased to say that as a nice surprise for everyone, joining us today is the king of body break, Hal Johnson. Uh, well, thank you very much. I've never been called a king. But um, <laughs> I guess that's a British influence. Uh, yeah. I, I'm just the uh, I'm the um, the lesser half of uh, of the body break duo. Iconic Canadian. <laughs> I'll take that. Yeah. And this is actually the first interview we've done in years of a season we didn't actually recap, which is weird for us. Oh. It's the first time since Joe and Bill, I think, that we've actually talked to anyone that we didn't taunt for 12 weeks, basically. <laughs> yeah well we, we were only on for five unfortunately um but uh and for the majority of the press that we did get almost uh I'd say you know 95 percent of it was so positive um which uh i know i've talked to some of the uh the the people uh on this seasons and they've said they've they've gotten some negative and uh the, the heroes edition uh they've they've said that they've got some negative I, I'm and I've kind of tried to counsel them a little bit and saying, you know, just don't read it. Um, uh, I'm kind of used to it in the sense of being in the public eye now for 30 years. You you have a tendency you can brush stuff off and and realize that uh, it, it kind of doesn't matter. I suppose it's a bit of a weird situation for you because I'm writing saying that you're an amazing race fan, aren't you? Oh, absolutely. I'm well. To give you an idea of how big a fan I am, I would stop the uh, the uh, the TV. I'd stop our what PVR when um, uh, uh, this is the U.S. version. When I was watching the U.S. version, and and this is prior to it coming to Canada, I would watch the the show, and then I would stop it, and then go to my computer and see if I could get better airline flights than the people <laughs> who were actually doing it. So we have to fly from Tokyo to Australia. Uh, what would you, you know, or whatever it might, whatever it might have been, um, and in fact, the one of the seasons they they actually flew out of Calgary. They flew from Calgary to Dallas. Did you get a better flight than Colin and Christie? <laughs> I certainly did. I said take the red eye because there's a 12:30 flight always out of Calgary um, uh, to Toronto. Take the red eye, which you're going to gain two hours go, um, going east, and so you're going to leave earlier from. Um, Toronto, then you are going to be leaving from Calgary. So, and it's a direct from Toronto to Dallas. So, I what I thought was by you take that red eye, you're in at uh, 
um, 6, 6 a.m. into Toronto, which is 4 a.m. In, in Calgary. And so you're leaving at 8. Uh, you would you would have gotten to gotten into Dallas about two and a half to three hours earlier than they, they and they had to connect through Denver, as I recall. So I, I'm a little fanatical on <laughs> on that. So I so to say I'm a fan is, uh, is somewhat of an understatement. Uh, I'm you know, a huge, a huge fan. And so when the Canadian uh, version, I remember it was December 3rd, um, 2012, the, the show, came, the, they announced uh, during the Amazing Race US that there was going to be a Canadian version. I leaped out of my chair and went to the, uh, went to the computer and fi- tried to find out who the production company was. Um, and I sent them a letter. I sent, uh, I, being in the TV business, I kind of understood the, um, how things connect. And so I, I found the production company and I'd heard and through my readings on the computer that they hadn't got a host yet. So I, I sent um, them uh, an email say, saying that, you know, I haven't, you haven't got a host. I'd be, it would be fantastic. You know, have an opportunity to audition for that. They responded nicely back saying that we do have a host that we're just finalizing with uh, was John Montgomery. And um, however, uh, you know, um, you can always apply if you'd like as a contestant. So I went through the process and Joanne and I uh, applied as contestants. And uh, I guess you say the rest is history. I think most people would be surprised to know that you guys applied because I think it's quite well documented that you applied. But I think most people would think, seriously, they're sort of Canadian icons. How the hell did they apply rather than be recruited? Well, I, I really don't think, uh, and again, I, I only know from our perspective, I really believe that nobody is really recruited for it, in a sense. Uh, you have to go through the entire, the, the same process um, as everyone else does. I mean, we certainly did. Um, in fact, we waited till the l- second last day to send our application in. You know, after the euphoria, the excitement of, of uh, thinking there's going to be an Amazing Race Canada that we can that we can do, uh, after that, we kind of thought about it and thought, okay, do we really want to do this? Um, do we think our brand could be affected? Because, you know, at that point, we have 25 years of, you know, helping Canadians get fit and healthy and, and a pretty, call it a pretty squeaky clean um, brand. And also just talk about a brand that we've had control over for 25 years. What? We do all the production. Um, we own our own production company. We hire the camera people, the sound people, the editors. Uh, we produce it. Um, uh, let's say we don't make ourselves look bad, um, so we have control over that. And and now we thought we're going into something that we have no control over. Um, how is this going to be? And is Insight Productions, will they want to make us look bad for ratings or they wouldn't i would say bad would they want to make us uh, have a, 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 say a less positive to, yeah less positive or contrary to our our image uh, that we currently have in canada and uh, that concerned us uh, we you know it was certainly something we were concerned about and um but we knew um we knew that we would never be yelling and screaming at each other or frustrated with each other because Joanne and I have worked together for, you know, to that point for 25 years. So we thought we had a huge advantage over the other teams. Like, for example, when you hear teams yelling at each other in a positive way, like somebody's doing a task and they're saying, come on, hurry up, way to go, go, hurry up. Joanne and I, we would never say anything to each other because we realized that 
that voice that you you know that voice it doesn't become noise you and it's distraction and so you don't need distraction so whenever tasks were done um we would just be quiet we wouldn't say anything uh, verbally of any loud at all because we would think we're distracting the other person um and we'd never get mad at each other because we know that the other person is trying as hard as they can um so how can you how can you ever be mad at somebody? Um, they're giving it uh, 110%. And and, um, and and Joanne is, uh, uh, to say she's pretty tough is an, is an understatement. So um, she had a, uh, a torn hamstring for the last two um, two legs of, of our race. And, and in, in fact, that was the main reason that, the, and again, you didn't see that through the editing. That was actually one of the main reasons um, there were there were a few others. The U-turn, which I really disdain, um, but uh, but uh, which is the most obvious one why we, we were eliminated that leg. But it was also because of uh, it, we wouldn't have been U-turned if Joanne had um, had two good legs because we would have beaten the uh, uh, the um, the guys to the mat. Yeah, we'd have beaten them to there um, before uh, they, uh, they they U-turned us. So in terms of not uh, shouting any encouragements, I'm guessing if you guys go on All-Stars, you won't be shouting giver at one another. <laughs> no, we won't. Uh, you know, it, it's funny, you know, that, that the All-Stars, it's something which is um, very funny in the sense that, um, you know, we, we everyone, all teams have a feeling um, that they'll, um, that there will be one, and and amongst us, I've become very good friends with um, Lowell and Julie. Um, with uh, in fact, uh, Jet from our season is actually coming back up to our cottage next week. Um, you know, there's several teams, many teams that we're we're uh, friends with, and you kind of get uh, uh, when that comes up, you kind of go, "Do you want to do it? Would you do it again?" And you kind of, you know, you know, you know, it depends where you are in your life, kind of thing, and. Um, responsibilities or non-responsibilities. So it's, uh, but it is something that certainly certainly comes up that uh, that topic about all stars, and you kind of imagine you think, well, um, you know, the redemption. Like, what would I do differently? Uh, how would I prepare differently? Um, and like, for example, in in our season, and I don't know, you know, some of the other racers that you talk to, um, but the racers that I've talked to over the years, none of them really prepared the way Joanne and I did. Um, like one of the things to give you an idea in, in our season, the, um, the sponsors of the show or air Canada was the, the lead sponsor. Chevrolet was the secondary sponsor. So what I did was I, tr- I studied every route that air Canada took, uh, in Canada and I studied where the hubs were. So I knew that when we were in Kelowna, the only places that we're going to fly in air Canada would, would either be to Calgary or to to Vancouver, so you yep. you knew those. The, and so if you're in if you're in Vancouver after uh, eight o'clock at night and you need to get to Winnipeg, it's better to fly the red eye to Toronto and then double back the next morning. So I studied every single route and um, in, in preparation for uh, for that. I also went to a Chevrolet dealership and I told the sales guy that I'm looking for a stick shift. 
Um, but I'm not sure what, what model it's for my daughter. I'm not sure what model this was a little bit of a fib. Well, I guess it was a big <laughs> fib, um, oh, that, uh, so I wanted to try every stick shift that they had. So, because I realized, I, you know, being a, can I say a connoisseur of the show, I realized that they put you in situations where all of a sudden you've got a stick shift and they did that actually in leg eight in Halifax. They, in uh, the, People were having trouble with the stick shifts. So I thought, well, let me test all the stick shifts because when you're under stress, you don't, it's very difficult to think. And you're, and what I found, what I found out was that on the, on the, the Chevrolet products that the, in order to get in reverse, it, it was like what I would consider first gear. You had to kind of go, there was a button you had to push in order to get into first gear, which was, very unusual for me because I hadn't had a stick shift in years. I'd had an Alfa Romeo, but it didn't have a button to, to put it in reverse. So, so under stress situations, um, it's better to kind of kind of pre-plan. Um, so uh, Joanne studied all of the Canadian money, um, was on all the money. Um, uh, she went through. So we each had our own tasks, our own things that we were studying, uh, went through. And it was it was almost like a about a two-month um, study period. We would test each other. And, and in fact, the, f- the funny thing was we had the final answer on the fourth leg of the race. We knew what the final question was going to be flags and flowers because we, um, as we went to the each mat, I know when we were in Vancouver, we noticed that the, uh, um, that the um, uh, Aboriginal uh, chief had, had, a, had a flower on his lapel. And I said, that seems kind of out of place with everything else that he had on. And I asked him what that flower was when we were on the mat. And he says, oh, it's the map of British Columbia. And, and then when we got to Alberta, the cowboy, and we won that leg, the third leg in, um, in Drumheller. The, we got to the well, dancing pays off. Well, it sure does. Joanne did a great job. I was cheering her on very quietly. Um, and so when we got the... Uh, Got to Drumheller, um, the the cowboy uh, with his horse at the mat. Uh, I noticed he had a flower and asked him what what is that flower. He said, "Well, that's the flower of Alberta." So Joanne and I we, we turned to each other. We said, "As soon as we get," and Joanne had had studied all the flowers of the provinces already. And uh, so when we got to Whitehorse in the, in the uh, uh, fifth leg, when we were in in Whitehorse, we had an opportunity. Um, when we were at the airport to go across and go to the hotel and we printed out all the flags and flowers and then cut them up and then we um, put uh, identification on each one so we could kind of test each other uh, on that. So we, Joanne would have done that and she would have finished it probably in about two minutes uh, because she knew, she knew it like the back of her hand, the, the, the provinces. And that was the final question that, took the teams quite a while in order to, to finish um, that. So um, we, uh, we, we, we tried to study as much as we could um, because we realized being, you know, older, um, the, the oldest team, um, you know, we were at a physical disadvantage. Um, although, you know, because it's funny because the teams often thought we were, we were a threat. They thought we were a, a, a physical threat, which was absurd. Um, you know, th- there was teams that their cumulative age didn't add up to mine. And some of them were police officers and you got firefighters in the mix. 
Right. You know, a Jet, who is who is at the time a police officer. Now he's a uh, a firefighter. But Jet said he was a fitness model. Right. That was that's what Jet told he was. But they but most of the and I say all of our season, with the exception of Holly, um, were physical, like were very, very could run uh, very Darren and Kristen could run like the wind. Uh, the twins could run. Well, I'd say Pierre and uh, uh, Jamie. Um, uh, Jamie, uh, we could beat him. Um, but uh, the, you know, it's it's just, you know, we knew we had to think with, we had to mentally out uh, outgun the teams. We we weren't going to beat them head to head on 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 a race to the mat. Did the Air Canada flight research pay off uh, during the season itself? It certainly did. Um, it, what I did was in the, the teams, it was on the fifth leg. It paid off in one respect, but we still got eliminated. But if you recall, uh, and again, you've seen so much, so it's hard about five years ago to, to recall. But I remember it like it was yesterday is um, when we got to the when we got to the um, uh, the gate and they said, no, there's no more. There's no more uh, room on this flight. I took the next flight like you know, four other teams did. And there was only two, um, Brett and Holly and, and Jet and Dave were on the first flight. So we all went from Whitehorse to Vancouver. Jet and Dave and Holly and Brett went to Edmonton. And the rest of us all went to Calgary. And then we were to meet in Regina. That was the, the final destination. So we stayed overnight in uh, Calgary and Edmonton. Well, the earlier flight was going out of Edmonton um, by about an hour. So the whole key was to try to get out of get that flight from Edmonton to Regina. They told us in Whitehorse that that was booked. So I went on. Um, I thought, you know, maybe they have our names. This was a guess. I said maybe they have our names uh, on a blacklist that the, they only want so many teams to to be able to make that that first flight. So I went to a payphone and I I I used my middle name. And uh, and got on and we got tickets on that flight. I got we we got tickets on that flight to get to uh, to uh, to Regina on the earlier um, on the earlier flight. Um, so it was. But but my mistake was is it's just interesting when it, when you reflect back. It took us about 40 minutes. We lost a lot of our time because we got lost outside of Regina because. The, the clue was on a BlackBerry. And as I'm turning the corner, Joanne dropped the BlackBerry. It went on the floor, and then we couldn't get it back up with the, uh, the button that was hit. So we were look, we were aimlessly running around Regina trying to remember what it was saying on the BlackBerry where to go. And then we just ended up going back to the airport, and they reset the BlackBerry for us, and then we, we found the place. So uh, that was, uh, again, that was a... It started off good because we got on a good flight, but it uh, everything seemed to go against us. And as I say, it was it was largely because of um, the the U-turn and also Joanne's um, torn hamstring. We had Lil on earlier today, and he was saying that a lot of teams play with the question of what if. And for you guys, knowing the flowers and practicing with the stick shift car, I'm guessing the what if question for you guys is what happens if you somehow survive. The Regina leg. Do you do you, how many times do you replay the idea of whether or not you would have won the season 
if you're able to get past that leg or if it was a non-elimination. You know, I, I say I say this um, humbly, but we would have won. And I, <laughs> and I say that because as I looked at how things worked out, we would have gotten through, but a lot of it is luck. And that is the, the thing which, you know, you could – you could put the same 10 teams up, the same uh, roadblocks and, and, and obstacles in front of you, and you're, there's going to be a couple of stronger teams, but by and large, every team is going to have an opportunity to win. And that's, the, that's the, kind of the beauty of the game, um, is that it's, it's not as um, – and the reason I say that we would have won, I only say that because I saw the way that things – the the um, some of the, uh, the the challenges and roadblocks that were we would have done well in them. Um, there was nothing that was was going to be difficult. Like the the one in um, in Newfoundland, the the going um, uh, the the one where you, uh, Jet and Dave got eliminated because the they street performing the street performing. And I know how we would have gotten the money. Just the old body break. But exactly, exactly. <laughs> I would have, we would have, you know, here's a body break hat, 50 bucks. <laughs> Sell it on eBay. That's right. I mean, we would have, um, well, one thing we did is that uh, kind of, this is kind of those behind the scenes. We got some beautiful coats uh, when we were in Yellowknife. Um, they gave us these coats as we're literally racing off these, these thousand dollar coats as we're racing off the plane in in Yellowknife, just before we jumped into the uh, uh, th- into the into the lake, um, which was very refreshing through the ice, I, I I thought that was great. I love that challenge. Um, but they gave us these coats because they were you know afraid to get be very cold, and it was quite warm actually. So, but we have these beautiful coats. But you're on a race and you go, I don't really need this coat, and you don't really want to take anything with you. So when we were in Calgary. Um, flying because uh, we we had to fly from Whitehorse to Vancouver, Vancouver, Calgary, Calgary, Edmonton, and then then in the, uh, the then we went Edmonton to Regina for the fifth leg. Well, in Cal- the Vancouver Calgary s- segment, there was um, a guy on the plane that asked me, uh, "Do you uh, do you need money?" And I said, yeah, that because he, he, you know, you've got a whole camera crew, bunch of cameras, everything. People know that it's the amazing race, although we're never supposed to say anything. And I, I kind of looked at him like, yeah, that'd be nice. So the guy gave me all the money he had. It was about one hundred and thirty dollars. And then he gave me a bunch of American money. And wow. and I thought, what a nice guy. Like, this is a what a great guy. <laughs> right. So I just gave him the coat. And, uh, you know, and then so we, we got the idea when we were in the Calgary airport, we went up to some uh, Air Canada uh, people and we asked them, does anybody want to buy Joanne's coat? And we sold that coat, I think, for one hundred and seventy five dollars. The person got a heck of a, you know, uh, uh, Canada Goose uh, cho- uh, jacket for for one hundred seventy five bucks. But what would have happened if you'd got to none of it? Well, you just suck it up. Um, for me, um, I could be um, – my blood is like molasses. It can be minus 20, but the problem that we would have is not the cold but the heat. 
I I would wilt like a flower in in you know in Taiwan or uh, you know some of the, this year's or India you know Mumbai or something. I that just fright. Well, and again, here's something you know, to tell you from behind the scenes in our season. Um, it was it, it, we were in the lentil bin for two and a half almost. Uh, but two hours and 40 minutes in that lentil bin. It was 42 degrees in that lentil bin. Wow. Um, yeah, it, it was just sweltering. The, I think the hottest day that they'd had certainly that year uh, in Regina. And so we're you know, plowing through that for, for you know, well over two and a half hours. And then I, um, so pretty exhausted. And you, you didn't have they didn't have any water for us and they, and you're so focused you you don't even think about drinking like you just it's just something you just don't don't think about i got to get this clue I've, and that's all your thought process is and so we go through there no water we get into the get into the uh, uh car race and we you know we 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 had to take a penalty so we're really demoralized so we get to the mounties joanne just kills it and I'm still, you know, kind of thinking. She kills it. We get out of there. We're the first people out of there. Um, and we still hadn't drank anything. We get to the football field. We do the, the task. And then we have to We get U-turned. We still didn't drink anything. I hit the mat. And I literally, 30 seconds later, I collapse and the paramedics are called. Because I am completely dehydrated. Um, wow. And you don't see that. You know, that was... In fact, Joanne, when the camera guy was trying to shoot it, uh, she stood in front of him so that he couldn't see, he couldn't shoot it. But I was on, the, I was, I was getting an IV. I was, um, you know, they were debating whether to take me to the hospital or not. Uh, but I was severely dehydrated, and you just, and that's because of the heat. And I, as I say, Nunavut, bring it on. You know, it's not a problem to go there, but the. Uh, the heat is is something, and and once again, if if uh, you know you you think in your mind, you know, if you were to do it again, what would you do? What would you do? Well, how would you pack for it? And one of the things that the the teams this year is very very smart is that they um, the young lady and the the brother and sister who I think are terrific. I can't remember the names. I think they're Courtney absolutely. Courtney Taylor. Uh, no, I don't think it's Courtney Taylor. It's the. Uh, couple from Vancouver. The, oh, the, Phil and Martina. Okay. Yeah. She is the funniest person I think has been on Amazing Race. I, I, I love her. She is so funny. And her, her brother is uh, great, too. Uh, but they did, they ditched, when they ditched her backpack, realizing, you know, you're only, why have two backpacks? Because you're only as fast as you're, as the slowest runner. So what you do is you, you know, having him carry the pack and her not have a pack that makes you far more efficient um, um, because then they'll be able to run closer together. Um, that, that makes, a, that makes a lot of sense. So that's, uh, those are the things that you would say, think about changing uh, and also making sure you drink, uh, drink before you get off the plane, just hydrate as much as possible. And Joanne and I kind of kicked ourselves after that because we know better because we've been teaching this health stuff for, for, for a lot of years and we, and we realized that hydration should have been uh, should have been the key yeah when you when you faint at the pit stop i guess it brings the term uh body break to a whole new level <laughs> that'd be a very interesting commercial <laughs> that's right and you know it, it's it is funny because we've seen 
uh, last, uh, I think it was the U.S. version three years ago. The the woman uh, had a, had trouble, um, had fainted at the uh, partway through, and they had to revive her. Um, I think, and then they, and and then two seasons ago on the Canadian version of the, they were in uh, Asia, and the uh, the woman, uh, uh, the woman from Toronto. Yeah, she uh, she had dehydrated. Yeah, we were told by Lowell that, uh, especially during season three, when they were at Mumbai during that record-breaking heat wave, when I think 20 people died in that heat wave, and then when they were in Vietnam during season four, that production was very eager to give everybody as much water as possible, and that they even had to stop the production at one point because the camera, the crew that was uh, with them was getting exhausted by the heat wave. So it seems like maybe your incident with not monitoring how much water you were drinking uh, really set the tone for future Asian Race Canada seasons where they're very eager to make sure everyone's really hydrated. Yeah, and, you know, with our season, when I the what you have to think about is, is um, and again, maybe being in the television business, I certainly have a, um, a, an appreciation and, and certainly a lot of respect for the camera crew. But one of the things you should, uh, all viewers should think about is that, Who's shooting this stuff? Because what I'm saying is that the sound man is running with a 50-pound pack on um, with all the sound gear. So they're running with that, and the camera guy's got his large camera. He doesn't have, like, a a small camera. These are, you know, HD larger cameras. Uh, And it's hard. Like, I mean, it is – and you're only as fast as your camera crew. And so, you know, it's – I have tremendous respect – for the um, for the crews, I mean, they've got to be in tip-top shape. So, as tough as it is for for us, we're quite often running without anything. Like we're you know we're just you know and uh, uh, and so I've got uh, immense respect. And and in our season, because it was the inaugural season for the Canadian, um, a lo- um, most of the camera camera teams, um, this was their first first uh, kick at the can, and so. Uh, I think they did a, a really good job. They had one camera crew from the U.S., so one cameraman from the U.S. that kind of coordinated the Canadian guys, kind of gave them some tips here and there. And he was kind of the, the head wrangler of the of the camera guys. But uh, um, immense amount of respect for the crews. They they do a amazing job. Um, and when I watch the show, we often watch for for when they're not in the shot or when they are in the shot. So uh, that that's quite interesting when you. Uh, when you can see them, uh, when they do such a wonderful job of staying out of the other guy's shot, uh, which is, uh, uh, but sometimes they, they can't get away from it. But it's quite interesting uh, what they do. Uh, yeah, I actually had that in my notes that that would have been the first year that Insight was working on Big Brother Canada and Amazing Race Canada. So I was curious if there was some uh, rookie mistakes that they made as opposed to now where it sounds like everything's really polished and everyone's been working in this production crew for six years now. Well, I, I'm like, I'm certain that, you know, there, there were mistakes. There's always mistakes. And I use that in parentheses made. Um, but what you have to realize is they're always doing new different tasks. So it's, it's difficult to perfect the task. You know, they, they go through and they get the task, they go, you know, we think this task should take X number of minutes. So, for example, in the lentil bin, they thought that that would be 
that was a in and out. They thought most teams would be able to get those in 10 minutes. They had no concept that, it, that two teams would not be able to be in there close to three hours and not be able to get it. They did not structure that to be that way because we ran so late they 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 were they were concerned with flights being made so like i said everything got pushed back because we spent so much time in the lentil bin um but that and i I put it in parentheses that mistake could be made again and again and again because it because it's um they they test it but you never know what's going to happen um so they're there are things that uh, that are certainly out of their control, and they're getting better and better at it. But they do they did a, a you know pretty good job on our season, and um, you know I I can't uh, you know using a critical eye when I watch it I don't see um, I don't see much uh, from uh, that, that they're making mistakes in, in the seasons uh, um, that have been going forward. So they're uh, they've done a it's a hard job to produce. And that's what I'd say that to, to produce this type of show um, is, is, is very difficult to do that. And uh, what I found the, the what interesting in our season, um, how they, what, we started off at Niagara Falls. And what was interesting is, well, I, I'll, I'll back up a little bit and say, when we, um, in, in preparation, Joanne and I, Said, you know, they're probably going to start some someplace in southern Ontario. That's what our thought was. We thought it would either be in, in some iconic place, either Niagara Falls or Algonquin Park. So we thought that's, and we and we, we also did the uh, uh, the studied the seven famous painters. Uh, oh, the group of seven. Group of seven, and we did all of that. So, but we we thought we're going to start from Niagara Falls or Algonquin Park, one of the two. Well, our cottage is right near Algonquin Park, and so we know the area very well. And we thought Niagara Falls. So Joanne's done a lot of cycling and running and marathons through that area. So when we left the Butterfly Conservatory down in Niagara Falls, so we when we did that, everybody turned right out of the car and they went. They back they backtracked to where they needed to go. Joanne said, "Turn left. I know the sh- I know the route. We turn left, and we were like twenty to twenty five minutes ahead of everybody else going to the airport. Um, so it was it was kind of that that knowledge of um, of the area, and and we had thought it, but we had thought it through. In fact, we even went to the uh, Center Island uh, or Olympic Island." Um, we took a road trip down there thinking that the, 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 um, that's where they would, uh, something would happen down center Island. So we wanted, we, we took a trip down there and looked at the easiest way to get onto the, the center Island airport. How would we do that, uh, in, uh, in Toronto and also how would we, uh, get to center Island? So, and that's where the pit stop was, was, was there, uh, basically in the, the first leg. So we were, we had already scouted that out. So we, that's the kind of research that we did. But in terms of um, at Niagara Falls, when we got to the airport, uh, Mike Bickerton, who is the uh, producer, uh, the head guy, one of the one of the head producers, Mike Bickerton was quite upset that um, the start of the race was already on YouTube by the time we got to the airport. <laughs> Somebody was in the hotel and they shot it with their phone and shot it and so they 
they were kind of frantic that their opening scene was already on YouTube. And he showed us on the phone, like, yeah, you, here you guys are running to your cars and they could, they could see it all uh, from there. So, but it, what's quite interesting is how they've um, more embraced that. Uh, uh, and, and I, you know, and I wonder if they do do a, and, and I, I, I'm always, always hesitant to call it an all-star version. Uh, I call it the all loser show because they don't bring back winners. Right. So it's, not in a long uh, time. <laughs> no, yeah, it's a redemption or something. Um, if they were to have a show with people, former, former contestants, if they would publicize that beforehand, kind of more embrace it on Facebook and social media. And even before the race starts, you know who all the 10 or 12 contestant teams are um, to create a buzz. In the American and Asian versions, they do a lot of live starts now. And I know with the Canadian version this year, they had a live start to try to conceal the identities, even though Reality Fan Forum pretty much knows who everyone is by the time it starts. But I know with the American and Asian versions now, they do public live starts that uh, people can attend. Right. And, and it seems that if you were to have um, uh, returning teams, that would could create more of the buzz because people already have identified and, and know some of some of those teams. Um, one of the things, um, you know, thinking about that, that in terms of uh, bringing back teams is that one of the things that we had a, uh, on us as a burden and I think that these teams would now have on them is their image, their brand. Because, you know, when you when they started, when, you know, a team, whatever team it might be, and I, I use this kind of uh, the advertising term as a brand, but they had, in essence, no image, but now they do. And, and would, they, would they try to live up to that image, whatever that image that was portrayed during the show? Um, you know, using Jet and Dave as an example, they were, you know, two happy-go-lucky, fun guys. And... That was Jet and Dave, and or the the giver guys, right? So it's like, would they be? You know, I, I kind of had enough of the giver, but to be honest with you, but yeah, they, we know, did too. Michael did a count: 112 givers in the span of 11 episodes. I think was our final tally. Oh, is that right? Yeah, but, but I, we, I, we, I knew full well that they would be over the top with with their catchphrase. So I just I I did it from moment one and just started counting. Oh, is that right? Well, you know, it's funny because you wonder, um, I think about our season with uh, Brett and Holly, how many times that they ha, called ha, each other ha. doctors. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. And, and we're doctors. We're doctors, you know. But but again, that, that they wanted to portray, I think, or, well, I guess they wanted, but Brett made himself to be an easy villain. So I guess that's why they, yeah. they did that, so. Yeah, I, th- I think we ended our finale episode last year with um, with a montage of all the givers just from that one episode because I think it was about forty five. Oh, is it, it was ridiculous. <laughs> but it would be like you know they if if they were to come back, then you look at they would have to say um, they'd be kind of thinking of living up to that, you know, or 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 they'd be more I say maybe they'd be more self conscious, um, like like Joanne and I, we were very conscious because we know television production and we know how things work we know how you can edit things it's almost like a metagame for you guys as opposed to the other teams in the first season right right and yeah it was 
we knew that we we were always thinking i was always thinking of production stuff i was always thinking how are they going to get this shot you know i'm thinking to myself because i direct all of our stuff and i'm thinking why am i directing this in my head like this is (laughs) just just be quiet and and do do what you have to do you know like you're you're thinking oh i got and and joanne would it's funny because there's a couple times in in our I like Joanne would, uh, she re- jumped off the trestle bridge and she, she jumps off saying until next time, keep fit and have fun. And that's our catchphrase. And I, I said, why did she say that? She goes, well, I, you know, I thought, you know, you know we, she wasn't really talking much and thought it'd be good for, you know, to get, if she did die, that'd be the, you know, from jumping off the bridge, it'd be the last thing she ever said. Um, Should have said uh, that when you're on the pit stop in Saskatchewan when you collapsed. <laughs> that's right. Famous last words. Famous last words. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and, we, and it's funny when she was, uh, we were we were in Calgary and we we're taking the coal and putting uh, coal into the bin, and and she says, uh, Joanne says, oh, you know, the coal miners. No wonder the coal miners were really fit and healthy. And I looked at her. And I go, what are you talking about? Just put the coal in the bin. And then she told me later, she said, well, you know, we have to kind of say something because they thought it was kind of boring. And I'm saying, I said, Joe, don't worry about having to say something. Just get the task done. But it, it's it's our production hat that's kind of, uh, you know, we think. Uh, and, and I must say, I Joanne, of the two of us, Joanne was far more, far more entertaining than I, than I was um, in terms for TV viewing. I think it's interesting that you said you were quite self-aware of how how you came across for your season, because I think that's a problem that people are having with this season, where everyone has been told going in, you are a hero. And I think it's it's a burden for some people to have to live up to that. You're absolutely right. Uh, Absolutely. And and I've I've talked with a couple of the teams uh, via message and that sort of thing. And and I said, it's difficult for you guys because everybody's definition of a hero is different you know it's it's like jet and dave or the giver guys they had nothing to live up to they're just two guys acting goofy now whereas if you're a cancer survivor or you're a first responder or or your pilots uh, you know for for the air force um is that well you know being part of the navy well that's that's uh, that's great are you a hero well you protect us and um, depending on your perspective, someone's a hero or they're not. And I said it's it's very difficult for them to try to live up to it. And you know, I, I must say I wasn't a fan of that the, that element of a hero. I think it it you know pigeonholes people. Um, and it and I you know quite frankly, I, I don't know how much it um, adds to the the uh, the storyline right now um, for that. So it's. Um, you know, it was kind of a spin to to get people um, uh, to think about applying, I guess. Uh, uh, but I think it is a burden uh, of, uh, to some degree, and I think it's a little embarrassing. You know, I'm, you know, I mean, when you're called a hero, and it's, I think it's embarrassing in a, in a way. For them. Would you have worn a cape, pal, if you were cast <laughs> as a hero? <laughs> Just have the body break uh, logo on the back. <laughs> no, I don't wear a mask. I think probably don't. <laughs> no, it, it is funny because you know even people you know when people say to us, "Oh, you guys are, you know this or that," it's like you can't, I'm embarrassed by it. I go, you know, I'm just, I'm just very fortunate to have had a great 
uh, job to get out and help people and to get healthy. And um, I've had a great career and I'm, but you, you don't put yourself in that, that category uh, of hero um, or you're special. Like you just, you're enjoying life. And, uh, um, but no, it's, and that's why it's just, it's, it's, it's very interesting. Um, you know, if they were to have, if they were to have another, uh, what, what I've said to many people, um, who asked me, you know, who do you think would be on the All-Stars or this and that? And I said, well, you know, it really comes down to, I look at it like it's a dinner party. And who would you invite to that dinner party? Because there may be a lot of great people you might invite, but together those people don't, um, wouldn't make a great dinner party. So when they're doing the casting for that, uh, it's not necessarily the obvious teams that you would think would be on there because it may not, may not mix together you know it uh you know do you have sean king on who popped his shoulder out in uh season two would he pop the other shoulder out when he comes back that's right but he that's a form of redemption because he they didn't get eliminated his body broke down like literally and and that was his elimination so would it be would he get in would uh, you know, how do you choose? Do the do the hockey players um, uh, get in? Nat- Natalie and Megan get in because you know they won like got six or seven legs and were so dominant. And you know, six, just six had, and or seven legs undone by a wrist. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> again, another physical. You know, and that's it's funny you say that. I mean, we, people don't don't realize um, how. F- how the physically demanding uh, in and injuries occur. I noticed in this season that the, one of the cheerleaders, her, her uh, knee is, is um, has a brace on it. Uh, last season, the brother and sister from Quebec, she had a knee operation, a knee, knee issue. Um, the, uh, uh, in um, this season, uh, I don't remember the name of the, uh, the cowgirl, um, yeah, Melissa has the injury, I believe. Yeah, on on her cur- Achilles. Uh, yeah, on her Achilles, and I, I just noticed that. I stopped the PVR. I said, I stopped and I looked at. It. I said, she has a wrapper on her Achilles. I bet you she hurt her Achilles, uh, maybe going up that uh, flagpole or something, um, or that big pole that they had to go up. But yeah, there's a lot of physical because uh, when you think about it, you're you're at a uh, dead stop, and then you it's you're exploding you're doing explosive and so when we were on the the start line and you're, you're just you know we had just gone up and down niagara falls in the uh, in the speedboats, which was our opening scene and then they get us to the start line and you're just revved up i mean you're so pumped and so they have us run to uh, to our bags well our bags were probably about 150 yards away I uh, we have to run around and um, and through uh, these flowers and everything. It's a beautiful place at uh, uh, there at the Niagara Falls. And as as I burst off the line, I pull my hamstring. Literally ten <laughs> ten seconds into the race, my hamstring is 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 beat red and is is really um, so. Over, for the first three legs of the race, I limped pretty severely but you didn't see that because they they it wasn't a storyline so they didn't really want to uh, I, I i run funny anyways as it is so 
I wasn't too disappointed by them not showing me running. I kind of run like a gorilla, but side to side. But um, but I I was limping pretty severely. And the very interesting thing is the fourth leg was in um, we flew up to Yellowknife and jumped through Great Slave Lake. Although I was icing and I was doing all the things that you know in, that I had to do to try to repair it, when I jumped into Great Slave Lake it instantly healed itself. Like I couldn't believe it. I, I got out of the, I jumped out of Great Slave Lake, put my pants on and started sprinting to the car. And I took off and Joanne goes, wait, hold up. I was totally fixed. Um, I couldn't believe it. And then we flew um, to um, Carcross from there, from Yellowknife, flew to Carcross and our, and our first, um, uh, task or it was we had to throw a uh, throw an axe um, we had to cut a log and then we had to Joanne jumped into the um, uh, the wheelbarrow and I was blindfolded and I and when jo- Joanne jumped in the wheelbarrow she hit her hamstring and that's where she <laughs> charaded her her hamstring so from that that point on I could run like the like the Dickens she couldn't she could hardly run and and when or hardly walk literally and so when we were in regina um and joanne was um we were running to the top to get to the u-turn board joanne screams out hal drag me because she she was literally going with i raced up to see which side it was going so i had to come back to get her and she's yelling at me come drag me up this like i said she's tough as nails and um, she gets up there on one leg, and uh, and um, you know the rest is history. We're still U-turn, but uh, not not. Uh, and it was funny because I was I was not uh, uh, not pleased, but I never really understood why we were U-turn because we weren't we had we weren't a threat to them because um, they all knew that we didn't we had a four-hour penalty, uh, the same as Brett and Holly, but they didn't want us in but they wanted brett and holly in did you ever talk to tim and tim about it haven't spoke to him since no no we uh, uh no we have we uh tim tim jr at one came up to me um the basically the day after the clapathon after they had won and he asked he he said oh i just want to explain and i said no need just like don't don't it's okay just let it go and so um you know that's that was why they again with us the body break brand would not u-turn somebody unless they were under threat right so that's but that's thinking that's why i say that we wouldn't we would think well we wouldn't we wouldn't do that and and in fact the funny thing when i say funny but i don't know if you recall but in yellow knife cory and uh, jody um the amputee uh he wrote his name on a wrong the wrong line for the next flight out and he went on the the line below and i went and i noticed that we got there after them so he caught the third flight i saw that because again i always look very closely uh because it's happened before and and i said joanne put that pen down i i she put it down i grabbed it i wrote into our name to the second flight and we got on and then Jody and Corey came over to us while we were waiting. And they said, they asked if we would switch with them because they made an honest mistake. 
well, you know, he's a, a, a war hero, amputee. Um, how is this going to make us look? So I had to look like I was thinking about um, changing. Really, I had no thought in my mind of ever changing, <laughs> ever, <laughs> because uh, to that point, they had not spoken to us a word, and that was the fourth leg of the race. They, they kept on their own. They, they didn't really speak to anybody. Um, they were in full fight mode. Um, so it was, uh, but what went through our heads is we go, this is going to make us look bad, you know, and we did get, uh, some people who, who were, uh, saying to us like through social media, you know, you guys are ashamed of yourselves, you know, use a, a war hero and, you know, what they don't understand is the race is a perpetual, uh, number of mistakes. Every team makes multiple mistakes. And so their mistake just happened to be on that line. We had made mistakes earlier, circling the airport about four times, trying to figure out where where this particular building was. Um, so that that's really uh, when I when we talk back, uh, like we talked earlier about you know being a little more self conscious. We were very self conscious uh, of how we're going to be perceived, um, and also we knew that we wouldn't do anything to embarrass ourselves. But we wondered if people would talk about us, and then and that did happen. Um, Selena, um, the, the 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 two girls, they they were constantly talking about us that we're not nice people, and you know. And I'm thinking, you know, when I see this in the show, and I go, I never spoke to them. Like I have never, <laughs> I never, like I didn't. Where did they get that? I never. Uh, the only thing that the only time I actually spoke to uh, spoke to them, we were in Kelowna and we were at the uh, the Air Canada counter. I got to I got there and um, we had missed the first flight and it hadn't left yet. And I said, so they put us on the second flight. And I said to the person, could you please put me on standby? And and she said, yeah, you're 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 first now on standby. And Selena turned to me and said, what is standby? And I looked at her and I said, really? Like, you really don't know what standby is? Um, I guess she hadn't done her research. And um, I said, well, standby means you stand by for, the, for that next flight. If there's room, they, they will put you on. And, um, and so she did not know what standby was, but they used it later on in the race. They went on standby, but she said I was very sneaky because I did that. And we did get on that flight, which was kind of, um, you know, the, and I was, I was actually in the washroom. We went through security and I was in the washroom and it was about five minutes before that flight was going to leave. And not to get, you know, I was, uh, I got in there and it was like, I heard my name being called and I raced out of that washroom to get to the, uh, get to the gate. So it was, uh, Zippers still uh, down and everything, just running through the corridor. Exactly. <laughs> I didn't want to be too graphic about it, but yeah, I was. Uh, I wasn't. I hadn't. I hadn't put myself together yet, so it was. <laughs> it was. Uh, it, was uh, it was interesting, but uh, we, we made the flight, uh, much to the chagrin of the other teams. So it was uh, that we're on there. So you and Joanne sound like probably the most prepared team I've probably heard of in Amazing Race internationally and would you say that Vanessa and Selena then were probably on the 
exact opposite end of the spectrum? Uh, yeah, they 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 did no preparation, but they used um, or utilized their abilities and their attributes. Um, they they had they had they were directionally challenged, um, but what they did was everybody helped them. And that was the thing. Everybody helped them along. The ineptitude makes them indirectly a threat because everyone wants to drag them to the end of the game. Yeah, and I don't. I really don't think people made that conscious of a uh, thought process. I really don't, because at the time, you know, you don't know how bad or good a t- particular team is. You know, you look at Jet and Dave, and you think. Oh man, the, like you know, Jet looks like he's a bodybuilder. Dave is in fantastic shape. They seem like you know really, you know Jet's pretty pretty wacky, but they they're you know they're pretty sharp guys. They their act was like they were knuckleheads because they um, they wanted to appear stupid, so they wouldn't so they would diminish their threat. Um, Vanessa and Selena. Um, they, they, you know, batted their eyes, um, and they got people to do stuff for them. They got the express pass. And, and the, the thing was, we made a, we made a pact with, um, Kristen and Darren that the team that ended up in second place in the Kelowna at the winery, um, the first place team was going to get two express passes. The team that ended up in second place would give it, or first place, would give it to the second place team, which was Brett and Holly. But they decided to give it to uh, Selena and Vanessa, who ended up in fifth place. Um, Joanna and I ended up in third. Um, and the reason is that they just didn't deem them as a, as big of a threat, and they thought, why give it to a strong team? But when you think about it, why not give it to a strong team? Because they're probably not going to use it. If Darren and Kristen did not give that to Vanessa and Selena, they would have Vanessa and Selena would have been eliminated in leg four, and they would not have been eliminated because that's the only reason uh, they use the they use that express pass on that leg, not having to do the uh, final challenge, which would then Darren and Kristen got eliminated on. Um, so it, it came back to bite them, um, but they sh- they if uh, they should have given it to Brett and Holly. And it's another example of the what if game coming into play again. Oh, absolutely. And you know, you, as you said, you, you've, you've talked to Lowell. Uh, when Lowell when Lowell and I talk to each other, um, we certainly go through that uh, that what if. Um, you know, and and you know, it's it's what's interesting I find is that there are some really great people that have have been contestants um that i've been very fortunate enough to to now call friends um they're really some really neat people um and we have this kind of interesting bond um we're also like a dysfunctional family i guess you could say uh, we have that crazy uncle over there and we have uh you know some 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 different people but it, it's there are a lot of nice nice people and and um and and very competitive and and uh, it's it's very and and what's i find interesting is that unfortunately you don't get to really meet the people that are eliminated first um in the different seasons and you know whether it be you know sean king who got eliminated second you really didn't get to know him 
uh, and his wife, um, the twins in our season. Um, uh, I mentioned it during the reunion show, I said that if there is a, an all-star version, the twins should be on it because they will make amazing television. Those two young ladies are just wild. They were so wound up. They, they, they were, it was, it was our hotel room. We, our room was next to their room. Um, when we're, uh, for the first five days before the race starts and we're secluded in our hotel room and they were, they were screaming so much. Like we could hear it through the walls constantly. <laughs> we thought these girls are nuts next door. Like they're, they're crazy. And, uh, but they were they would have been a, such a hoot uh, to be on the show. They would make such great TV. Um, but it, it would be funny that, you know, again, whoever, you know, however they're going to choose, choose that. How what are they going to use for uh, how are they going to determine it? Meaning what the criteria is going to be. Yeah. Like, you know, do you take do you take, uh, you know, two teams from each season? Do you take teams from different regions you know because that unlike the american version where people really don't care if you're from california or new york or cincinnati or florida or whatever we're still waiting for that team from the yukon (laughs) well yeah and and from and from saskatchewan i think we haven't got one from saskatchewan yet um but you know i mean uh, you know when there there hadn't uh, i know in our season i think there was six teams from southern ontario or from ontario um, it was a little dominant. You've got to have a team from Quebec. You've got to have a team from, you know, Eastern Canada. You've got, you know, it's a, it's like you've got, do you do geographically? Do you do it? Um, you know, and there's, I think that everyone would have their, uh, their own list of people. Um, you know, my list might be very different than your list, but I think it'd still be an entertaining list. Uh, you know, um, and I think like Rex and Bob, I mean, those guys are just, you know, hilarious. You, you put Rex and Bob in, in that stew, you've got to put an antagonist with them and then you've got explosion, you know. So do you put hmm. the, the, the twin brothers from uh, Quebec? Uh, uh, who, you're in the Michelles? Would they be the crazy uncles in your analogy, Hal? Uh, well, I, I don't want to put that. I, I don't know them. I've, I've, I haven't communicated with them very much. I offered my condolences after their reunion show that exploded. Um, but, uh, no, I mean, I think there's, a, I say everyone's a little, there, there's, um, there's some high strung individuals. Uh, and, and I don't, I don't, uh, I don't think. I don't think of myself outside of that realm either. So uh, I, I'm, I certainly could be uh, classified as the crazy uncle. Who else would be on your list? The teams that I would like uh, to see would, would be uh, 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 Natalie, uh, Natalie Spooner, um, great competitor, um, you know, f- fierce. I'd love to see her uh, and Megan uh, on the show. Uh, I'd like to see uh, uh, Lowell, uh, Lowell and Julie, uh, We've become very good friends of theirs, but I'd love to see them on the show. Uh, just uh, uh, I know how much it would mean to Lowell, um, and uh, it would. It, I, I'd love to see them, but that's more from a personal perspective. Um, Jet and Dave would certainly be on the show because they were they were good. But but it, once again, do you want to put on 
like when you've got Jet and Dave, you've got Natalie Spooner and uh, Megan, you, you know, these are really tough competitors. Now, do you, is that, and, and they can do almost anything. Is the fun of the show from an entertainment value people that can't do stuff? You know, it's the. We want Shala and Avila and Aaron and Deb. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, like, when, when somebody's going to jump out of an airplane, do you want somebody that says, oh, yeah, this is my uh, 49th jump this year. Uh, oh, it's no big deal. Do you want me to do a somersault as I go out? Or do you want somebody crying, like going, I can't get out? Or, like, the, and I'm sure you're familiar with the um, the one in, in Baham, in uh, uh, Paradise Island, uh, where the big water slide was, and the basketball players were yeah. going down that slide. And there's a girl that, that could not go down that slide, right? That, that that made for dramatic television that you're going go down and then you then when the basketball players got there it was like don't go down don't go down let them go through <laughs> and it was like that's dramatic that's dramatic tv so uh, what type of show do you want and that's why when people ask me and i've been asked many times from people oh what should i put in my audition tape and they they often think that their accomplishments that you know i'm a world traveler i uh, you know, I do whitewater rafting, I rock climb, I, you know, I'm not afraid of heights. They think of that as the positive, and it's not really. It's like, um, I'm afraid of snakes. Because you look at part of the show as like a fear factor. There's going to put something in that people step back going, oh, you want me to eat that? They want to see OP jump into the water for the first time. That's That's right. That's right. Right, right. So he's he's deathly afraid of water, and so they, they, um, they. they that's why it's called a challenge. Um, so what's going to make good television first and foremost? Um, you know that that is that is what obviously Insight and CTV's objective is, and you know I think they've succeeded, uh, you know, quite well. But it's a matter of so that's where I say that whatever teams get selected or whatever teams don't get selected, I, I don't think that you should take it as a slight they're just putting a dinner together and what's going to mix really well what's going to you know, um because you you wouldn't want to put um have all, all dominant teams and um but uh, i say this you know when i look and i uh, once again i forgot her name for the season the um the funny uh the, the very humorous uh, martina martina um like you think you know, her skill set, like you go, well, she's not going to be able to do you know, very much physically, but she can sew, you know, and, and her, her her brother is great at, you know, at, at dancing and from his uh, from his karate and or, uh, martial arts uh, days. So you look at the skill sets of, of people. It really depends on the challenges. Um, I know that, you know, one thing, if we were if we were to be asked back to uh, again, what I would do. I would take dancing lessons and it's, it's not that I, I can, I can dance, I can do the robot and all those things of the seventies. Um, but is that it's the one, two, three, four. It's, it's a matter of getting your mindset to follow instructions. How can you follow and follow instructions? One, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. Then you know that you see that happens, uh, you know, every, every season there's, uh, in some season, there's three and four dance um, dance challenges. So yes, Mason Race Canada loves their dance and uh, pioneering speech recital challenges. 
<laughs> right. Yeah, I think that would be the, uh, you know, as we get older, uh, your your memory isn't quite as good. Uh, I used to be able to juggle many things in my head and remember phone numbers and numbers and everything. But as I've gotten older, it becomes more difficult. So I think for the, the that would be the biggest, one of the biggest uh, challenges for both Joanne and I is uh, the memory-oriented uh, challenges, uh, which in our season, we actually did that on the second. Um, we, we got through it. It was... Uh, uh, we had to make the oriental uh, letters that were on the, uh, the, the on the back of a T. We had to make the symbols and remember it and then run two kilometers and then actually put it on paper and, and print it. And we, we did it. But we did it by it was interesting when we did that challenge because um, it, it, it really it really talked to the way Joanne and I worked together. She had hers that she had to remember. Remember, I had mine that I had to remember. All she said to me was. Let me know when you're ready. And so we studied our, our own tea or uh, under our teapot or tea glass uh, uh, and teacup there. And I studied it. I, I painted a picture in my head. I said, I'm ready. We, we put it down and we left. We didn't say a word to each other. I, I, I didn't get in her head. She didn't get in mine. We sat down. We didn't say a word until we finished. And we didn't even realize that. But we realized that. Uh, kind of subconsciously that any talk that we have is going to interfere with with uh, what we're trying to what we try to remember. And what was interesting is when we saw uh, Vanessa and Selena go in there. I think it was Vanessa was trying to tell Selena how to remember it. And it was like you know when we watched it back on the, uh, on the episode, it was like we just you, you, it's not helpful. Like it's just you know you just be quiet, focus on your own thing. But that's how Joanne and I have um, have worked for 25 years. Um, she writes all the scripts. I direct I direct the shows. She does all the editing. Um, we separate our responsibilities and we trust the other person that they're going to be able to. They'll do what they they need to do. And and I think that's our uh, big advantage over other teams that we we've had to trust each other and work with each other and. That's I, I wonder the um, the cowgirls I guess we call them in this season because they don't even know each other. Hmm. Uh, I wonder how um, I, I just have a feeling at some point that's going to play itself out. That that not knowing each other, you're going to snap, or you're um, like you're you know, at the other person, or you're going to something's going to happen that they um, being unfamiliar. Or what buttons not to push with the other person um, is, is going to be to their detriment. Yeah, especially when it's just one, well, I guess Monica and Zainab too, where it's two pairs of strangers and then eight teams that all know each other very well. <laughs> right. And it's like, you know, really knowing the, I know what not to say. And, and usually in our in our relationship and, and everything, I've been married now for know, 20 years, is that I know just be quiet like that's like be quiet, go to another room. And that, that's what that's what I do. And uh, uh, I just know that I, you know, it's better not to say anything because you're because I've already whatever whenever I'm in the doghouse, I've already dug the hole. Just don't take it anymore. Right. So um, I know that's uh, uh, that's kind of my advice to guys. Just just shut up. Shut up and leave because don't. Uh, 
so with, with and you know what's interesting is um, and I don't know how many other racers have talked to you about the 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 downtime when you know you hit the mat and then you go to get you know shuttled off to your hotel room um, and that's why you know people don't know who was eliminated because you don't see the other teams at all right so uh, so when they get to the airport they're always surprised who got eliminated quite often but um, the uh, when the the time that you spend in that hotel room together just um, I know for Joanna and I, we hardly talked about the race at all. We just slept. Like we just, I literally put a, a, a pillow over my head and slept. So the, 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 what I would take from a packing perspective, we would have a very, very tiny bag. Um, and in that bag would be earplugs and a face mask. Um, and those would be the, uh, and, and two, um, watches that were alarm watches because the um, you have to get up on your own. They will not wake you up, so you can miss your flight or miss your call time. Uh, you, they will not come and knock on your door and wake you up. So it's it's your responsibility. Yeah, nothing like a good night's sleep uh, on the amazing race is what you're saying. Well, yeah, you may have a, a lot of time, and, and other times you may not have much at all. So, in terms of your guys' season, I know what the past couple seasons with the Canadian version that uh, alliances haven't really come into play. Were there a lot of alliances in your guys' season? Uh, no, there wasn't. Um, not that we were a part of. Um, we uh, we thought of this as kind of, and maybe that was our downfall, is that we we thought it was kind of every man for yourself, and and to that point. My mistake was when we got into Edmonton and Brett, Brett and Holly and uh, Jet and Dave were there. I should I should have said to them, I should have said, "Hey guys, we're going to be the first teams in Regina. Let's all work together to get to that first point." And and it's not about who's. And this is what I've determined now. It's not about who's first. It's about who's last. And so I should have, and we would have been at that uh, lentil bin, the thirty. 30 to 40 minutes earlier than we were, which, you know, who knows what if, um, but there was, uh, Vanessa and Selena, they were working their magic with Dave. Dave was all pretty, uh, enamored with them, I should say. And the, so there was, so he was going to help them. Um, and, but all in all, I think, uh, what we, we got a sense that, especially in Regina, we got a sense that when the U-turn was mentioned, we were the targets. Not of Jet and Dave. Uh, they they didn't feel like, why U-turn somebody? Because they were in first. There's no, no problem. But we would have been U-turned by everybody else except Corey and Jody and um, uh, and Jet and Dave. All the other teams would have U-turned us. And we, we were the number one on the hit list. And I think what we heard in kind of after the fact was that it was really thought that we kind of, we were either, either a threat or we didn't deserve to be on the show because we'd already had our 25 years of fame, I guess you could say of, of already being on TV. So it's, uh, you guys are so famous that, uh, I think, I think it's my mom that had, 
I think you guys had like this ab sit up or crunch thing. A- ab master, yes. Yes, my mom has that exercise tape from like 20 years ago. I remember we had it on VHS. So that that was your guys's thing. <laughs> That's right. We we yeah we've uh, actually we'll believe it, we still sell the uh, the ab master in DVD now. So we we'll, we should be streaming. What oh, no, Blu-ray? We gotta we gotta get That's Blu-ray right. in on this. <laughs> or, or just streaming it. Uh, but yeah, no, it's um, but you know we, again we've. We're, uh, I've, I've looked at, uh, we, we, Joanna, I look at ourselves as we're a celebrity in, in, with a small C. Um, you know, we're, we're just, we really are. We're just Hal and Joe that have, have done this thing. We honestly, honestly did not think of ourselves as targets. Um, we just thought we're a couple of racers. You know, we didn't think of, we were just like, oh, we're a couple of, because we're so, we were so keen for the show. We 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 have we have watched every single episode um, back to 2001 of of the Amazing Race, um, where Jet and Dave uh, Jet had never seen the show before until they were accepted, and then he watched it on uh, uh, he he streamed it on YouTube or something. He watched uh, he watched like eight episodes of it. He had no no idea really. What's okay? What do we have to do? Uh, so. It's uh, one person does a detour. What's that? <laughs> one person does a detour. That, that's right. <laughs> that's right. So, uh, yeah, it's it's uh, everybody comes at it uh, differently. And, and it really depends on the challenge. The one of the producers, she was a, the American producer um, who she did the amazing race. But she was up in the U.S. and she was up helping the Canadian producers um for the first season i don't know if they have um you know they're they've got it pretty much uh, ticking along i don't know if they is, still use the american producers coming up uh, anymore but she was she said to us um in a kind of a pre-production meeting before the race started she said you don't you could you could walk this race and win it meaning it's it's not about who is the fastest it's not about who's um the, the smartest it's who's under control and i've learned i've i've started to understand i understand that now after going through it that what are the uh, often the the things that people do that get them eliminated they don't read their clue um they they turn the wrong way they don't they they just don't step back and say okay let me think this through uh let's take let's take two minutes and think this through in a calm a calm sequence as opposed to just trying to race through everything like like mad people um so it's uh, jump into a bad taxi uh, yeah or you know it was funny because when we were it's just interesting some of the things you say and that that just brings back a a, a memory of something is that when we um we did the uh leg two we did the ice skating um the speed skating in in vancouver we 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 raced out of that and and here's something Nobody ever saw. I couldn't get the skates off. Like the skate had a buckle that was had, was locked, and I couldn't get it off. And your partner isn't supposed to help you, right? Jet saw that I couldn't get this off. He came over, and, and he was having trouble with his. He yanked his off, was able to get it. I couldn't get the leverage. He came, and he helped me, and he took my he took my boot off. Was I said, it's like my dad taking my skates off. He's, Thanks, Jet. <laughs> That's the kind of guy he is. He he's he's such a great great guy, really great guy. But when we we when we raced out 
out to the um, the road uh, outside of the arena. Um, there was we the cab went by, and we we before we got in the cab, Joanne said, "Do you know where Chinatown? Uh, where I forgot what the clue was. China Millennium, Millennium Gate. Gate. Millennium Gate. Do you know where Millennium Gate is?" He says, "I think so." Joanne said, "Could you please call your dispatch?" Before we got in the taxi, can you call your dispatch and ask them? And so we heard his dispatch say, oh, Millennium Gate, it's Chinatown. So, and he goes, oh, yeah, I know. Oh, yeah, yeah. He goes, I know that. Then we got in the cab. So we didn't get in the cab until we knew that this guy knew where he was going. Um, but that was, you know, and again, Joanne was vehement about that. <laughs> We're not getting in unless this guy... Knows where he's going, so it, it, yeah, taking that, you know, minute or two, or you know, could have been another three or four minutes getting another cab, but you, you want to get the right one to go to the right place. Have you been to any CFL games since your guys' time on the Amazing Race? Uh, yes, we were at the uh, well, we we uh, the uh, city of Regina felt so bad that we were eliminated that they invited us to the Grey Cup. And we came out there uh, for the uh, for the all the partying, and uh, we were their special guests, and it was uh, it was great. So we uh, it was quite uh, uh, quite fun, and uh, it was great being their special guests out there. So they they felt so bad that uh, that we would have, and they gave us these uh, rider jerseys and a whole bunch of rider paraphernalia. So it uh, ends up the the riders won that uh, uh, the Grey Cup that year, which so it, everything worked out great, and it was in Regina. So, but you know the funny thing is, Joanne and I do a lot of speaking engagements across the country, and we we, we kind of laugh at this in a way. We 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 go coast to coast. We've got a couple more and uh, next month in Alberta and uh, uh, and then out in Vancouver, and we, we're all over the place. But but what's interesting, we've done a lot in Regina a lot of speaking engagements for the, for the size of the city. We've done uh, quite a few. They're probably done about six or seven in Regina. Anyway, at least six or seven in Regina. What is amazing is that we have almost every time had airplane difficulties getting, getting out of Regina. All like we've uh, flights have been canceled. I don't know what it is. We've had, and of all the traveling we've done, Regina is the only city, and it's happened three times, that our flight has been canceled and we've had to spend the next day there. The only place that's ever happened with all the traveling that we do. And it happens in Regina. We say, well, like, why is this place haunting us? Like it just, And so it, 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 it once again happened after the Amazing Race. We, we went back and, and did a talk, and then our plane gets canceled. And we go, oh, my God. How, uh, it's Regina is just it's cursing us. So it's uh, switch it up to Saskatoon, I guess. <laughs> That's, yeah, that's right. Or just go but, ten kilometers outside of city limits. <laughs> but you see, the the thing is, and I as I knew that Air Canada doesn't fly between uh, uh, Regina and Saskatoon. You have to fly WestJet, but because Air Canada doesn't do that commute uh, between the two. So uh, yeah, it's all the all the useless facts that I learned about the Air Canada routing uh, in through my studies. <laughs> Did you ever um, attempt the fast forward in Regina? No, we didn't. Um, we we made the assumption that Jet and Dave, who had left uh, considerably earlier than us and some of the other teams, that they would have already um, 
captured the fast forward. And uh, what we did is we, we said um, we, we took a penalty only because uh, Brett and Holly did. We saw that they took the penalty. And so we had to make a determination at that point. You know, we, were, we didn't think we were going to find this, the, the bear um, uh, or the moose in, the, uh, in there. Do we take the penalty and stay with Brett and Holly? Our feeling was we can beat Brett and Holly. So we didn't worry about anybody else in the race. It was just let's stay with Brett and Holly because when it comes down to a foot race, we can beat them. We, we knew we could beat, beat Holly. Um, she was, Holly was probably one of, the, one of the slowest runners in Amazing Race history. Like literally I was on one leg and I was passing her. Like she was very, um, very, very slow. She, she couldn't, she basically couldn't run. And so we knew at that point that we could, we could, um, uh, we could beat them in a foot race. And so that's what we thought. Let's, let's forget about all the other teams. Forget about the fast forward. Let's focus in on beating Brett and Holly. So that was, um, so when we beat them to the, uh, and, and you can see that, like, literally on one leg, Joanne beats Holly to the U-turn board uh, running up the stairs. Um, and so if, if we hadn't have been U-turned, the race up the stairs to the U-turn board what was going to be – was determining which team was going to go on, which team wasn't. So it, that's that goes back to the what if. We had assumed that we hadn't been U-turned yet, and we had to get that – to that board so our some assumption was correct that if we race brett and holly we can beat them we didn't think that they're uh, imagine that the tims were going to uh um u-turn us there and, and set back yeah because that fast forward is kind of a, a mythical thing in amazing race canada because i think it's the only one that's ever been hinted at but never actually officially declared what the task was well no that weird. that well none of the, none of the teams um uh, Jim, Jet and Dave went in and tried to do it. They couldn't do it, and so did uh, Corey and Jody, I believe, went in there. And it was just, just too difficult. It was the uh, uh, RCMP um, d- d- driving. It was like a driving machine uh, test thing where they were sitting in a cockpit and had to drive and go through – be a, a simulator to, to, uh, to be able to, to be an RCMP officer – what the testing that they go through and they had to complete it in a certain amount of seconds. They said, Jet, who is, who at the time was a 10 year police officer said he couldn't come close to doing it. So, hmm. so as soon as he couldn't come close, he said, we're out of here. Let's go to the, let's go to the next one. So we're sucking that off. We cannot actually physically do that. And no one can. Well, yeah, exactly. That's what, uh, that's what he, he's, well, he, he, and, and we didn't, as I said, we just thought about, um, Brett and Holly. We didn't think about anybody else on the on the race at all. So I guess we have to talk about the one incident in that in that Sasca- uh, Regina leg. I've really no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> We've been very good to not mention this for an hour and a half. And it set up the whole conversation around uh, the branding and the meta game, and you guys being aware or trying to figure out what footage may or may not air. So with that incident with Brett and Holly, were you guys thinking that they were going to air those comments on TV? Well, you know, we didn't, I had no idea that those comments were even made. Um, To give you an idea, I had never heard Joanne 
uh, swear in the 25 years I've been with her. Um, so it, uh, when, when we, we heard it on or, or didn't hear it, cause what's, what happened was, is the, the microphone is in her bra. And so she mumbled that to herself. She didn't yell it at Brett. Yeah, I wasn't shouting across the 50 yard line. <laughs> no, it wasn't anything like that. It was, it was kind of more like the she was kind of humming it almost, but she said it to herself. I was standing right next to her. I didn't hear it at all, but to put it into context and, and, you know, it's, um, is it was, um, uh, as I said, Joanne has, as, as rare, I've never heard her swear, um, to that point. Now she's just a foul mouth. She just, you know, <laughs> I, just I can't, I can't get her to stop swearing. You know? <laughs> but no, I'm just kidding. Uh, all, all stars. She'll be shouting. <laughs> oh, she'll be, oh, she'll be a body mouth. I tell you, uh, but um, no, what to put it in context, what happened was, is that um, Brett had been messing with us um, and calling what, well, say long story short is that, um, I asked Bickerton, I had asked Mike Bickerton, if if you use the U-turn in that leg, this is before we started, if we use the U-turn, can you um, uh, can you do it again or is it only the one time? So and and he told me and um, I then relayed that message on to um, Brett when we were on the plane. I just said, oh, you know, Mike told me that yeah, you can uh you know, if you do the U-turn, you can use it again. And if there's another U-turn down the road, because we had been talking, Brett and I had been talking about that earlier. And then for some reason, he called me a liar and, and he made Joanne very upset. Like he, mm-hmm. he went up to Joanne and said, you know, hell's a liar. And, and I was like, okay, uh, what, what's she talking? Like to me, I don't care. I have, I don't care what he says. Like it, it, but it, it made Joanne very, very upset that he was calling me a liar and she, you know, why is he saying that? Joe, just forget about it. So the, this um, there was a lot of uh, tension oh. between, between Joanne and, and Brett. Um, and so as he kept going, you know, you guys are liars. You guys are liars. And I was like, well, where did this come from? Like we had no idea where it came from uh, except that uh, that interaction. And um, and so when he ran by us, we knew at that point. And so he said to Joanne, <laughs> see at the mat. And so that's not good sportsmanship. You know, it was kind of rubbing it in to us that, yeah, I beat you. <laughs> so he, he kind of laughed and then he see at the mat. And that's and jo- that's why Joanne cool. reacted the way she did. But the, the, the unfortunate part about that is that um, – what was interesting about it was that um, fallout from it or the upshot of it, however you want to call it, is that it it really humiliated Joanne. She did not watch the rest of the series after that. Uh, and she didn't watch season two. She was just oh, wow. she was very upset about it. Um, and uh, so I watched the season two and I was telling her about it. She goes, I don't want to hear about it. that's. That's how long that lingered with her. Um, but the, the funny thing was, um, 
we had a, a deal that we were just about to sign with Listerine um, to do some commercials for them. And so they called us up the that next day when it hit the newspapers that and what hit the newspapers was um, that um, a body break lies about the F-bomb. Right. And that's and it was like what happened was is we did the interviews after we were eliminated the, the after they air the show that, that next day you do interviews. So our last interview was a group of interviews that we did in a uh, for um, uh, print reporters that we did in a uh, on a speakerphone. And so it's AP and a bunch of other uh, print reporters from across the country. Um, and the first question is, oh, does Joanne swear a lot at home? And I, I looked at her and she looked at me and she was so upset. And so I, I tried to deflect it by just laughing. <laughs> oh, what are you talking about? She said, get off the grass you know, <laughs> you know and i just laughed it off and then didn't think anything of it like i literally didn't think anything of it and then the reporters came out saying that body break lies about this and it was like mm. oh these guys then they just like i used it as a throwaway i wasn't lying and so the the next morning when the uh, all the um the newspapers came out it's around 6 a.m i started to get these alerts of our names on my phone. I was getting these alerts. I'm reading all these articles about the F-bomb and body break and lying. And I said to Joanne, I went up to the room and I said to her in bed, it was like 6.30 in the morning. I said, uh, we got a, we got a problem here. Like we got, you know, people are calling us liars. Like this is, we, we got to issue a statement. Right. So she said, she just put the cover over her head and the pillow over her head, literally. And just, so then at nine o'clock, pillow's still over her head, and I come up and I go, "There's a lot of stuff out here." And then I get a call from Listerine saying that they've decided to go in a different direction um, than us. So they, we had this big deal with Listerine, and I thought at the time I thought, "Boy, couldn't you guys like think a little create uh, creatively?" Exactly. Like, what, like it, it's the perfect opportunity for you to have her washing her mouth out. Exactly. It just, it, I thought that was the uh, guys. They just don't have a sense of humor, you know. Like I thought, you know, this would be perfect, you know. Um, and I'd say, hey, you know, Joanne, you know, you gotta, you know, gotta wash your mouth out, right? Um, and so, so anyway, we we get that, that deal gets canceled, and um, so I say, and then I go up to Joanne. Uh, I said, listen. We've got to issue a statement that it was, um, you know, that you apologize for, for, you know, the F-bomb and you uh, and so and and that it, we weren't trying to mislead. We're just joking about it, which we were We're just like, you know, let's move on to the next question. And so um, we issued that. And then the response back from people was just overwhelming. Like everyone was so you guys are great. I love, you know, you guys seem real. You know, you're. You know all of these things, uh, such a, and such a positive, and it was so interesting to realize that when you get in front of something, let's say own up to it, people are just so receptive. And it was like we just said if we'd have just laid low and not done anything, um, it would have piled on us. But we took, you know went out in front and 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 did it. And you know again we had the platform being that of our website, we you know and we issued it and. And um, 
and people picked up on it right away. And, you know, Entertainment Tonight or E-Talk, I think it was E-Talk had a thing on it. And, um, you know, so it was it was um, uh, but as and then when we did the reunion show, it was brought up like four times. Right. So every time it was brought up, Joanne was mortified that it was brought up because that's not who she is. Um, some, you know, some teams, well, some teams are told you got to cut that out. Like some teams are, you know, F bombing each other all the time. Um, you know, in our season. So it's like, they were like, guys, we need to edit you in. We can't edit you all out. So you got to stop swearing. So it's, uh, um, but you know, from a understanding perspective, um, that, they the insight saw an opportunity grab ratings you know the height of the drama for the season yeah i mean it was it was but it was also very much against our brand yeah when i say against i don't mean it it was against type like it was it was different than you would expect and that's Mm -hmm. drama and tv it's the unexpected that people are waiting for yeah, body break gets pushed to its limits, drops that bomb. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we couldn't have written a better script for them, like you know, in 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 that case. But uh, you know, I say it was um, it was it was literally so under her breath it was just barely out of her mind. You know, it was it just it, it trickled her lips enough that you could make it out. But um, as I said, I was standing right next to her, and I I had no idea. No, because I, I remember when Brett went by, I looked at him and I, I wanted to say something to him as well. And I just kind of my thought, when in doubt, shut up. Right. So I just <laughs> I just go, nothing's good's going to come from this. So I, but I didn't even know. So Joanne and I are literally side by side touching each other. And he says that. And I don't hear Joanne say that. But because it, it was so much under her breath. But. But, you know, I, I look at it as it as um, I had about a quite a while of counseling with Joanne in terms of trying to tell her, listen, it's OK. But when you don't perceive yourself in that way, then you you have a hard time with it. And she she really and and during the um, uh, reunion show, I, I felt like I was there to protect her because I knew how vulnerable she was that um uh, I'm just glad you know Brett didn't get too far out of the line, kind of thing. Because <laughs> <laughs> that could have been bad for the brand. <laughs> is she okay with it now? Yeah, she is. She laughs yeah. at it now. She, she laughs at it now. She, uh, as I said, she um, uh, for a year, or a year and a half, I guess, she didn't want to talk at all about the race. And then when season three came about, and I was, I said, I'm going down to watch the. Um, going to, down to our home theater to watch the race. She goes, oh, I'll come down and watch it. I said, really? She goes, yeah. And so she came down, she watched it. And uh, and um, it was funny because, you know, for the, for the year afterwards, uh, she was like, you'd say, oh, did you go back again? She goes, no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, and then as the years have gone by, she goes, Oh yeah, I'd do it again. Oh yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. I'd do this differently, or I'd do that differently, or something like that. So she's turned to you know 360 around in terms of the feelings, and and also, you know, it is first a television show, and and secondly a race. And I think when you get when you understand that, when you really 
understand that it is a that um, you're kind of okay with it, you know, in that sense. And and I think that's where where she's evolved to, uh, literally. So she's the scars are no longer there. And again, if she was to do it, she knows that that would be brought up again. Hey, Joanne, are you going to be swearing again during the race? <laughs> <laughs> On All Stars, are you guys going to have the shirts instead of body break? It's just going to instead of keep fit and half fun. Is it going to say keep fit and f off? Yeah. <laughs> I want to see the updated uh, slogan. Do you? I see, yeah, I'll put it on my hat. You see, that's what I'll do because because uh, you know, it's uh, no. I, I think we'll or have it on each side of the hat. So if you get U turned, you can just turn the hat right around. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so yeah, no, I I think it's probably you know, and, and again, I don't know if it's um, you know because we're known. Um, uh, I don't know for what reason, but that seems to that uh, be a memorable part of the race um, uh, of, uh, of uh, over the years of the Canadian version of the, you know Joanne doing the f bomb. So I, I think for me as a fellow Canadian, it's I think it's because of growing up and knowing your guys' names and the very family friendly brand, and then just casually in the middle of Canada's biggest family friendly show to have have the F-bomb dropped. I think that's what makes the joke just age really well over the years, especially even better now that Joanne's overall okay with it and laughs at it. I think that's what makes it a big Amazing Race Canada highlight in general. I'd actually go as as far to say that it probably was the moment where Canada proved it could have the Amazing Race properly because (laughs) you just knew that the casting would be so great that there could be this massive scandal of big family-friendly brand accidentally saying the F-word to someone. And you just, at that point, you knew that actually they kind of knew what they were doing. Well, yeah, we were we were on guard for it, right? And like I must say that. We were on guard. We thought that they were going to be looking for something. And that, that will tell you, as, as we call it, professional as Joanne and I am when it comes to shooting and, and knowing what we need to do and everything like that, the race puts you in such a a state that you literally forget everything. You you do. You really. It's a. I have never been as smart as I've been when I'm on the race, and I have never been as dumb as I was when I was on the race. Like literally, they. My um, I I honestly believe that I'm I'm usually only working at about twenty to thirty percent of my potential. There were times on the race. I was so focused that I could um, uh, juggle so much in my head. And there was other times I'm looking, literally looking at the marker when we were on the uh, in Vancouver um, trying to find the uh, the pit stop. And we're at the tall, uh, I'm looking down on uh, over the city of Vancouver from the, the shipyards there, looking down. And literally it was in front of my face and I couldn't see it. Like I literally could not see it, um, so it's uh, it, the the adrenaline, uh, being able to control your adrenaline, and that's why I thought Happy and Chewy this year would do exceptionally well, um, because these guys, their jobs are to control their adrenaline. Um, that's you know, fighter pilots. That's what you have to do, and I thought they would be, um, I, I thought they, I thought they'd be slam dunk winners. Like like uh, I know. Jed had told me they were uh, happy and Chewy were his favorite team because 
because he loved their uh, nicknames because Jet knows a lot about nicknames. So that's what he, he said. He said he knows a good nickname. And so Jet said, uh, yeah, these uh, Happy and Chewy are his team. But um, they were they were my team. I thought they would be the the the, the winners um, pretty pretty handily. But uh, you know, it, uh, luck prevailed with them um, having to go back to the oyster or the uh, whatever the the fish thing they had to pull out uh, the um, not crab oyster, trap was the there. crab trap. Uh, they, I mean, they had to go back four times or something like that over the other um, the other teams who find it once. So um, you know, just some bad luck. Are you aware, Hal, that there is a semi-famous heavy metal song that uh, exists by a group called the Flatliners that call, that is called Hal Johnson Smoke Cigarettes? Yes, I've seen that. I've never had a puff. <laughs> <laughs> and, and anyone that knows me knows that I'm probably the... Uh, uh, most anti-smoking person there is. So um, uh, I I listened to it, but I couldn't actually understand it. So I I did neither could it. I. Uh, <laughs> the lyrics are tough to pick out. That's right. So so I I uh, but yeah over over the years we've uh, there's been many different things uh, for us and, and it's funny we we did uh, uh, a year and a half ago we did something for Netflix. Um, called the Santa Clarita Diet, and uh, we did a little. Uh, now you talk about branding. Uh, in fact, Mike Bickerton, as I said, the producer for Amazing Race, uh, sent me a sent me a, a message uh, when we did it. He said uh, something to the effect: "Incredible branding, the fantastic marketing." It was uh, Joanne and I. Um, there's a there's a show on Netflix called Santa Clarita Diet. And you'd think, well, it must be about eating healthy. Well, not really. It's a, <laughs> <No>. a zombie <laughs> thing about eating people. Um, so we did a uh, a body break episode to promote it, um, and we ate this girl, and with uh, we cut her up with a chainsaw and a, uh, all kinds of special effects and everything that was going on with that. And I think we got it was like in the first eighteen, in the first. Um, 18 hours, there was four and a half million hits or views uh, of it. I think there's been over 11 million views of it. Um, it was incredible. The, and, and it was Mike, uh, um, Mike Bickerton was, was, uh, corresponded with me and just said, you know, you couldn't believe the marketing, you know, going against type, going against your brand. Um, uh, but, uh, it, it was, again, it was a shock and people, and I, and I, I guess I'm at the point. Um, in, in my life, uh, I'm 62 now that I go, you know, I just got to do what I want to do. It's fun. I can't think too much about the brand. Uh, people know who we are. This is who we are. Um, you know, we try to be good people, but let's have some fun. You know, that's kind of where we're at. We're at right now. So that's awesome. So if you, if you get a chance, you, if you haven't seen the Santa Clarita, Santa Clarita diet with Joanne and I, <clears throat> it's a little, a little shocking. <laughs> Is there anything ultimately you want people to know about your season? Just looking back, what five years ago now? Yeah, it was, uh, uh, and it really comes when the people ask me about doing the race, um, you, you know, uh, and when you asked me to do the uh, the podcast, which I'm, you know, uh, thank you very much for the invitation. Um, is that of all the things I've done, and you know, say not to list them, but you know, from playing on playing for the Canadian national team to doing body break to all the series of different things that 
I've been very lucky and fortunate enough to do over the years. The Amazing Race is special. And I've never felt um, doing something as I did during that race and, and doing it with Joanne. Um, and feeling like you're a partner in your team and you're doing this together. And, we, and it wasn't for the money or the prizes. Um, in fact, uh, our season, we were on the starting line. John Montgomery's hand is up in the air, ready to start us. We didn't even know what the prizes were. Hmm. Um, and so uh, John Brunton, the executive producer, stops John Montgomery just before he's going to say go. And he says, do you guys want to know what you're, you're racing for? And and, and uh, Jet uh, Dave uh, standing next to me, he's he's next to me, and he goes, "I don't care if it's a Tim card, let's get going, <laughs> right?" So we had no idea, and he they told us what it was. Oh, it's a quarter million dollars and two Corvettes and you know, uh, and Air Canada ticket. So uh, like the money and the cars, I uh, okay, whatever, let's get going. And, and they said, you know, two business class seats. Uh, Air Canada as much as you want. I go, yeah, now that's what I want to do. Like constantly travel for the next year. So um, that'd be a lot of fun. But it was, but the pri the 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 prizes are irrelevant um, when you're in the race. What about if it's for a bunch of caramel chocolate bars from the caramel factory? <laughs> well, it's uh, that wouldn't be bad. Um, you know, it is funny about this season. What should we do? And I think all racers do this. They think, um, I know that all racers that watch the show do this. They go, they, they evaluate how they would do in that contest, in that particular challenge. Or, um, oh, I do well, or I wouldn't do well. Well, Joanne and I would have killed that pie eating contest. And that would have been, again, so against type. Like, But when I was in university, I used to go into eating contests all the time. Um, and the, and the pie eating contest that I went in, it was a cherry pie eating contest with no hands. So you had to eat a cherry pie with no hands. Um, try that one. That's, uh, uh and I won. So I mean, I like, I, I can, I can vacuum up this stuff really well. So, but, uh, so that was, but there's other, con there's other challenges, a sewing one I wouldn't do too well on. So, but, uh, Logan loves pie. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, not so much. I don't like pie. I don't like sewing. Certainly yeah. don't like leeches either. <laughs> this would not be my season. I'm I'm glad I'm not a hero in the eyes of uh, Bickerton and Co. at Insight. But you know, I, I would. What I would do recommend uh, uh, other people, and I would say this um, is that I'd recommend um, doing it because it challenges you like you've never been challenged before. And uh, I heard the young lady of the sailor. Um, she said, people don't know what it's like until you've gone through it. Like you've really don't know how difficult it is and you don't. And it's, you also don't know how invigorating it is and how, when you hit that mat and you're not last, how elated you are, the high is so high. And that's why when people get eliminated, the low is so low, even though when you know it's coming and you think John is going to say, continue racing or this is a non-elimination you 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 beg for that in your mind uh and then when you're finally uh dejected it's uh um, it, it was difficult and and yet what i did you know literally three four days after it was uh we were we were back home i thought okay how can i uh how can i make this a positive how can i 
turn this around and be a be a real positive. And um, so that's that's what I uh, tried to do. You made a cameo on the previous season, if I'm not mistaken, in a deleted scene. Ah, yes, that was quite interesting. Well, what happened was, as I said, Joanne and I travel quite a bit, and so, um, so what happened was this was uh, trying to think a year ago last May. So it was season it was season five, um, and and so we we know when they film it, right? So we we got a very good idea of where I don't look at any spoilers. I don't look at anything like that. Cause I want to be surprised when I watch the show on TV, but we know that in the middle of May, we, we kind of thought to the, but the third week in May uh, that they're probably going to be wrapping up production somehow. And those they'll still be, the race will still be on, but it's coming down near the end. And so Joanne had already flown out to Calgary, the, the day before and i said to her i said well if you see any amazing racers at the uh, at the airport at pearson uh in toronto uh you know you got to give them some money right you gotta gonna and so she laughed and she said yeah okay so she left flew to calgary the next day i was flying to vancouver and then meeting her the following day in calgary or pardon me meeting her the following day in vancouver so she was going to fly over and meet me in vancouver so I walked, I get down the escalator uh, going through security. And as I'm going down the escalator, I see a camera crew. And I, oh, that's funny. It's a, it's a guy with a camera on his shoulder and a sound guy. Huh, that's interesting. Well, okay. Um, he's walking with two guys. That's interesting. So I walked over to him and I recognized the camera guy. And I said, hi. They, all of them, and especially uh, uh, Paul, uh, they kind of froze like they go like you caught me like like I know exactly what's going on. This is amazing race team. So I say to them, oh, so how are you guys doing? Oh, we're doing great, Hal. They knew me. And I go, they go. I said, um, I said to them, do you guys need some money? They said um, and they looked to the camera guy asking, you know, can we take money? And they, he said, sure. So I gave them some money and then I, I took a selfie with them and uh and with the camera crew, and I said, "Well, that's uh, that's my lucky my lucky bills, guys. Uh, good luck to you." And then they end up winning. The interesting thing, they're from uh, the one of Paul's from uh, Oakville, where where I live. Uh, I've never met them, and he still hasn't given me back his money because they won the quarter million. So I'm looking for my yeah, money. Yeah, it should be a return investment for you. Uh, well, with some interest, I think. I'm not quite sure on that, but uh, but I, yeah, I was, I, but it was great. I've corresponded with with them and. Uh, you know, I, uh, I, so that was like, uh, I think it was, um, they had two more legs to go after they, uh, after I met them. And the funny thing was, is on that season, they were, um, they were out at, in Vancouver, they went to the, uh, Capilano Bridge. Well, Joanne and I, whenever we go to Vancouver, we always, um, go, do the gross grind, which is a, uh, up a gross mountain you run up uh, the side of gross mountain so that's what we we do so joanne and i both flew into vancouver we're going to go do the gross grind and we had two speaking engagements to do but we do the gross grind first and and we find out there's five inches of snow that had just fallen on the gross mountain so we can't go to the gross grind so we say well we haven't been to the capilano bridge let's go do the capilano bridge and all through that little be known that's where the that's where the amazing race went in that season when we, uh, we saw that, uh, you know, uh, when Paul won. So it's, uh, we, the irony is, is crazy. And then uh, another two seasons, um, 
it was season three. Um, we're in Edmonton. We're, we flew into Edmonton uh, to do a speaking engagement. We, we check in at the Westin Hotel because the speaking engagement's at the Westin Hotel. And this is May, um, May 20th. Um, we check in the Westin Hotel. And I, I always, because I'm a little anal, I always go to the room that I'm going to be doing the uh, speaking engagement the night before, make sure everything works, the slides, the audio is all, all working properly. Everything works. I get out of there and I see Jesse. Jesse Story is one of the um, uh, producers. I see I see Jesse and I go, hi Jesse, what are you doing here? He goes, um 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 uh, um 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 yeah I'm I'm just um 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 I'm just wrapping up. I'm new. I'm with another crew doing another shoot. Uh, I said, oh really? Well, I immediately got on, uh, started texting Jet and, uh, and and Sean King and I go, I just saw Jesse in the Edmonton Weston Hotel. Right. So then the next morning, next morning, I come down to the the second floor of the Weston Hotel where all the offices are and and where the speaking um, where we're going to be speaking to about 500 people. And I walk by a door that's open and it's the amazing race production crew is in the room. I look at the board and I can see the board. I take a picture. I, I'm outside of the room, but I walk by and I take a snapshot picture and it's a chalkboard with all of the flights that are on there. YVR, um, YYC, going from this and that. And I go, and I say, oh, they're going to Vancouver on the next, because I could see by the, what was going. So, so then the producers come out because we're sitting, we're sitting in this uh, waiting area. The producers come out and see us and talk to us a little bit and kind of laughing that we bumped into you guys in this hotel. So all the teams were staying in that hotel and the team was of their Edmonton leg that they did. And then we go to the airport. Uh, we finished our speaking engagement. We were out at the airport about one o'clock that day, and we and we go to our gate, gate 51 uh, at Edmonton Airport. And getting off the flight from Vancouver is um, John Montgomery and the uh, uh, about five cameramen and sound guys. These are the uh, the guys who are not the who are not assigned with the teams, but they, these are guys that are the the um, oh, I forgot what it's called. The, um, the they shoot the surrounding shots that are uh, the, oh, the B-roll. Not the B-roll. Well, the, as the teams are running in, you've got a wide shot, so you see, and they and the camera guys will peel off, and it's taken over by the by the guys that are shooting each of the individual tasks. But we saw a bunch of the camera guys that we um, that we know and sound guys. So we're standing in this in the airport in uh, in uh, in Edmonton. Uh, People are coming off the flight. There's five camera guys with cameras on, and they're all, you know, hey, we're talking to John Montgomery and everything. And it's like we go. Then they realize, you know what? I think this is a little kind of conspicuous. We better move along here, you know. So they're because uh, um, there are a lot of people who are watching us, you know, with, with you know five camera crews talking to us. So it was, um, but it was. It's just interesting because we travel so much. We've been able to. Uh, bump into the teams um, uh, on our travels. Sean King has also done that uh, when he was in uh, he was in Halifax. And he bumped into uh, leaving from Halifax and he, he bumped into uh, some of the teams and and uh, Mike Bickerton on flights. So it's it's a big country, but uh, it can be very small at the same time. I was very close to running into the season six crew uh, a few months ago because I went to South America uh, for a month. And then on my way back, I had an overnight layover in Toronto. And then people were messaging me that 
they're expecting to uh, uh, potentially, because I use Toronto so much to connect through. So I think I just barely missed them out at some point during the season. Yeah, well, and it's funny because when I travel, you know, during the, uh, that month of April and May, I must say that my radar is up. Um, <laughs> you know, looking around, hey, I wonder if there's the camera guys, you know, around. Um, my my yeah. ten sense is tingling. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, it's funny because I when I got on the plane, I text Pickerton. I'm sitting in there. I go, I text Mike and I said, uh, Mike, I've just run into uh, five of the camera guys at the airport here. I said, you know. You don't have to follow me all over the place, like you know. It's, uh, it's, uh, I was on five you know, years ago. That's, that's <laughs> Move right. on, guys. It's, uh, Get over right. it. So it's, uh, but it is, uh, it is funny. I think, you know, one of the things um, I, uh, you know, I've I've talked to some of the teams. I'm more than happy to to assist and help any of the teams um, with the emotional ro- roller coaster of, of celebrity. Um, have, of literally your 15 minutes of fame and then how do you deal with that how do you deal with that um because it's um it's fleeting um and i i what i i try to uh you 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 have this feeling that it won't go away like this will be forever and it's not um you know as much as we've been on you know television for now going on close 30 years um understanding that it's that it, it, it goes from, I know in our case, it goes from who are you guys to, you know, to, oh, you guys are Hal and Joe. Oh, didn't you guys used to do a, and, and you have to kind of emotionally deal with that, you know, that it, there's the, and I've tried to, to talk with, you know, when, when other teams have, have, we've kind of talked about this and they've struggled with um, that emotional uh, point after the show. That you know whether you know they've been eliminated, um, and then uh, that's the the emotional down, but also the 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 high that they get. You know they they've gone from being uh, a teacher, let's say I'm using it as an example, to somebody who's on TV that all the kids in the school now and all the kids think he's cool. To to and, and hey, weren't you the guy? Aren't you the guy that was on the show? And then it it starts to fade. And and how do you emotionally deal with that um and i've tried to to help some of the teams um and we, we kind of talk talk that through and it's uh because it, it can be for some teams pretty emotionally devastating that element um and aspect uh of, of being a celebrity for a very um short period of time um and and i, I don't know how much you guys have have talked about that over the time but the the emotional toll that it does take on some of the teams and and i know that some teams um, have had to do counseling um, mm-hmm. uh, to deal with it after the fact. So it's um, both on, in the American version as well. So it's it's a and I and I try as much as possible. Any teams that reach out and we start going down that line about you know they'll say gee it's really tough you know mostly I'm having a hard time to to talk through uh, with them and, and realize you know then let them know um, that one that this fame stuff is not that important. Um, it, it really isn't. It's it's um, at the end of the day, your friends and family are the most important, and and the other stuff, the recognition factor. It's uh, it's nice. It's flattering. It's kind of neat. Uh, it's a it's a it's a great starter to talk to people who want to know about the Amazing Race, um, and you you know you give them some things like I've talked to you, to you guys today about, 
Um, but it's really not um, it's not who you are and it's not your life. Um, and so uh, kind of take them back a little bit that, that trying to put it in perspective that it uh, is only a game um, and it's um, and, and to enjoy it. But don't get caught up in the fame because that that will destroy you if uh, if you certainly do. Like we had uh, Haley on here a couple weeks ago from the season 26 of the American version. Uh-huh. And all the hate that she was getting online while she was on the show. And her friends would, with all the hate she was getting through Facebook, and her friends would be like, oh, just click on the Facebook profiles of the people who are posting the really hateful comments. And it would end up being profiles of, like, previously worked at Walmart, currently unemployed, and just profiles like that where it's like, do, do those people really matter in terms of that being the demographic that chooses to dedicate hours each week to posting really negative stuff about you? No, not really. Do Gino and Jesse care that I reference them every time I apply and make jokes about them? No, I don't think Gino and Jesse really care that I have been doing that for four applications in a row now. <laughs> well, but you know, you know, the, the thing is, I, uh, and, and maybe it's because being in the public eye for, for such a long, long period of time, uh, is it, and, you know, obviously prior to Twitter and all of that other stuff, and I'm of a different generation, although I'm on Twitter and I'm on um, just all social media platforms uh, from a business perspective, is that I really don't care. I, I don't take the flattery to heart, and I certainly don't take the criticism to heart. At all, and one one thing I tell people um, or, or say to people is, I say, "Are they on the show?" Mm-hmm. Like, it's jealousy. Most most of the the dislike that people might get through social media is jealousy, and I can't help that you have that feeling. I can't help that you are you have that inadequacy to be jealous of some somebody else's attained, and so I I've always looked at it. Um, you know, kind of in that respect, that if somebody, you know, if, if they have an opinion, that, that and that's fine. I, I don't like Hal or he's a he's a, a jerk or whatever. And I go, well, you don't really know me. You're you don't like what's being portrayed across uh, uh, TV. Um, you know, I we've had the interesting thing, probably the biggest hate mail we had. And it's funny. I mean, we've had death threats and that sort of stuff. But I mean, like real stuff. Is that um, is like with Joe about real stuff? Well, I mean, that was some idiot in Winnipeg that was, you know, I'm gonna kill you guys. And this is back in the '90s and whatever. They defective ambassador. <laughs> That's right. The funny thing was, he actually um, uh, like he didn't kind of like hide where he was mailing it from, right? And it was like he mailed it. Right. So we just gave it to the RCMP and like, hey, guys, this is because uh, you know, he kept sending them to our P.O. box. Right. So uh, but it was um, and it was kind of, it was more racially motivated in, in, um, in his 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 uh, eyes. But so it's um, but those are the, the thing that bothered Joanne the most was that, that people were talking about her hair, that they didn't or, you know, she's got to do something with her hair. It's an old style or whatever. And Joanne was like. Did really saying that? Oh gosh, my hair's like like a woman's hair is a big deal, right? So it was like, I said, just put on a hat. Who cares? I I don't care. And so, but I just think at the end of the day, um, and one thing I've I've told some some people um, or some racers is only accept the the good stuff. 
and don't even look at the bad stuff. Don't don't. So you only accept good stuff who you know it's coming from. Who you know it's coming from. Don't even look at the other stuff. But the problem is, is that that um, people will get sucked into it. Especially people who are new to this, they'll get sucked into it, and they'll they'll they will they'll get ten compliments, and all they'll remember is the one guy that says, "Oh, I think you're fat," or "I think you're you can't run," or "You're stupid," or you know. And you go, the person doesn't know what they're talking about. Dismiss it. And I, I guess I've, um, I, over the years, I've just been very, um, you know, appreciative of people who say positive things and totally ignore people who say negative stuff. Um, uh, if it's constructive, it, but it, it's usually, as you say, people that are, um, uh, uh, who are looking to, looking to better themselves by putting you down. And that, that doesn't uh, – um, those people I have no time for. Yeah, it's not – we've had uh, – even about our podcast and my blog too, we've gotten some interesting uh, hate mail uh, over the past several years. Sometimes from racers. I was going to say from racers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my favorite one being um, that one of our favorites from season 28 said she'd rather be waterboarded than listen to our podcast again. <laughs> <laughs> to which I think the official response was that can be arranged. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know, it, it's funny because I, I look at, you know, anybody that's giving their opinion and like, and, and you, you guys give your opinions and I've listened to, you know, different, uh, different uh, opinions that you may have. And I've listened to, to them and some I agree with and some I don't. And I also look at it and say, it's your opinion and your opinion comes from a, a great deal of of knowledge, but you didn't race it, so you don't really know what it feels like. You don't really know what it feels like when you, you've had uh, two hours sleep in forty eight hours and you haven't had any food in twenty four hours, and now you're expected to figure out a puzzle. Uh, lack of sleep, lack of food, uh, stress, those combinations together. You know, uh, it's it's easy for somebody. It's much easier for somebody to send back and say, "Oh, I would have done that," or "You seem stupid," or "You're annoying," or whatever it might be. I would have won all eleven legs. <laughs> <laughs> well, good for you, because and and in my mind, I would have won all of them too. Oh, if we if we had done this on leg one, we we would have won. If we'd have done this on leg two, we would have won leg two. And then Sal and Nabila win season two of uh, Mason Race Canada and say Aaron and Deb come in second. That's right. <laughs> so it's like I, you asked me, let me ask you, what would be your teams to put on a, an all-star version? Not your favorite teams, but teams that you think would make a good TV show. I think we would always lean towards the crazy teams to watch the world burn. Right. Just a really entertaining season. Like all the teams who just clash or fight with each other or other teams. Just just for fun. Because <laughs> it'd be great to talk about. Right, right. <laughs> that's right. So that, that's and it kind of goes to my point that, you know, your dinner party is chaos. That's the kind of dinner party you want to watch is a is um, you you certainly want Brett and Holly because. Brett rubs everyone the wrong way right off the bat. 
Um, <laughs> I don't know if you've heard this, but Brett was, Brett was so funny because when we were in the um, um, before the our very first meeting when we were down at the hotel when we all got put in, we had no idea are we you know are we leaving right away? What's going to happen? And so we're brought down from our, our hotel rooms down to a big meeting room, and all the teams are you, know, you just pick. Uh, it's kind of like a um, kind of a school um, uh, seating kind of. Uh, uh, there's tables um, go across, and there's four seats under each table, and, um, and it's lined up. And there's a head table, and you're all looking at them, all CTV people, insight people, and whatever. And they're giving you the rules. They're going through some of the stuff. Well, before. Um, they could even start like literally Brett uh, raises his hand and he's, he's kind of sitting behind me to my, to my right. He raises his hand and this is the first time we'd seen any of the teams. And he says um, on page 42 of the contract, we don't have the contracts with us. This is, this is off of memory. This uh, Brett's going on page 42 of the contract. And it goes into page 43 is da, 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 da. And I look at Joanne and I say, this guy's a lawyer or he's crazy. And so everybody looks at each other. Like it was very, like it was anal. So then we have a break and we're still, we're not allowed to talk to each other. We don't. And so then we, we, we go uh, grab something to eat. Uh, they have a little, little buffet for us to uh, nibble on and we grab stuff. And then they said, could you return to your seats? Well, Brett returns but he doesn't go to his seats. He goes to two other racers' seats closer up to the front. And it's like I go, I said to Joanne, he just pissed that other team off. Because you know how you just go back to wherever you got up from, right? But he went back. He went to other racers' seats. And I thought, it's like he he is not he, – he is a really smart guy, really smart, incredibly smart. He is um, a student of the game. He knows the game very, very well, but he doesn't have very much self-awareness. He, that's what his, his uh, empathy or understanding of people around him is a little uh, uh, missing, I like you say. And so, so I, I knew very, very early on that he was going to be the villain. It, it didn't take much to figure that out, that he was going to be the guy. Because he was gonna, he was gonna piss everybody off. Um, that's at some point in the, in, in the race. You know, it's uh, it's uh, just an interesting dynamic. It's uh, and as I say, I, I I and I actually have talked to Brett over um, a couple times over the years. Um, and um, you know, so so you so you're saying that you, your your teams would when you say. Um, what what are your teams that would cause chaos that you've seen in in last years, um, in the in the preceding years? Um, uh, who who would you like to see? Uh, I think Michael and I. Each of our number one picks would probably be Frankie and Amy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably a good chunk of the teams from season four. We would say Frankie and Amy. Uh, we do agree with having Julia Lola in there just to fill the. The quote-unquote hero gap, although now we have ten hero gaps filled uh, this season. <laughs> um, uh, let's see. We would throw in – we would hope that either Dujan and Leilani or Emmett and Jillian would be up for up for another go. We want to see Shala and Nabila just to see if Shala can have another double Charlie horse because uh, uh, just their bios, their preseason bios uh, 
gave us a really good chuckle because I can't remember which one, which one of them said it, but one of them said their biggest fear was wooden popsicle sticks. <laughs> okay. Which, there's just so many questions there. Um, I know from season three, we really want uh, Nick and Sabrina back. We're big Brian and Cynthia and Neil and Kristen fans in general. Trying to think. We want Max and Elias to have another shot because I think Elias got the one task that he probably would have failed on. And of course, if we bring Brett and Holly, then you and Joanne have to come back because you guys just seem to play so well uh, off of each other in general. I feel like that storyline has to be revisited again and then throw in the uh, Jet and Days. Well, I, I think, though, you know, you, you look at, um, like, I think Rex and Bob are the, are the biggest antagonists that you could put on the show. Like, they'll, they'll drive people nuts. We've heard Bickerton wasn't a big fan of uh, Pierre and Michelle. Apparently, so he doesn't. He, it's like the one team he didn't. He hasn't really liked uh, over the years. Um, yeah, but I mean, Rex and Bob could rub many teams the wrong way. So I don't think he doesn't necessarily need them. Like I think Rex and Bob are, are a little bit more high maintenance than most of the teams. Yes, they would be a lot more uh, aggressive and antagonistic. I agree. While Pierre and Michelle would just be off in their own corner somewhere. Right, and and um, so I think it's. Um, I think Rex and Bob would be, you know, you put Rex and Bob and Brett and Holly and, uh, you know, Brett would, Brett would drive um, Rex crazy, I think. And, and that would be, that'd be great TV there. But it really, it really depends on, you know, what you're looking for. Like, like you said, like the Spooner and Mega, they're, they're nice people. They're great people other than Natalie vomiting. I think she said she vomited 17 times in that first uh, parachuting task. I think after that, then the entertainment value uh, started dwindling or dry he- dry heaving of entertainment value, I should probably say in this case. <laughs> well, yeah, but I, I think, you know, that's I think that you find teams that are competitors, like athletic competitors that, that, that focus in on this as a race. They're not as entertaining as teams that just act like they've been let out of a, you know, just like Frankie, like just like do crazy stuff. Right. It's um, uh, yeah. I, I think Natalie and I, I guess I respected Natalie and Megan so much for what they, they did. Um, but and again, depending on what show, what kind of show you want, do you want to have all really good racers to who's going to win? Or is it more like who's not going to jump out of the plane? Who's not going to, who's going to have a panic attack when they, um, have to, um, like, I, I think that, that, um, like when the snake snakes in the last episode and the leeches, I think they're hoping for a bigger reaction. They would have gotten one from me cause, uh, I faint when I get my blood drawn Okay. and <laughs> sewing was the only thing within elementary school or high school or university where there was a sewing unit within our cap grade eight class. That was the only course slash one six subject that I have ever failed. I got a sparkling 18% in sewing. So I would have been so eliminated on this, uh, on this last leg. <laughs> but you see, here's, here's the, interesting you talked earlier about the, um, you know, how to, how to run the race is that one of, one of the ways is when you've got something like that, which task to choose and as opposed to racing your mind, Oh, let's do this one. Okay. Better to step back, take 30 seconds, reread the clue over again and say, okay, 
what's this one going to take? What's that one going to take? 30 seconds could be the difference between winning and losing. Yeah. Like I would get, I would choose to get my blood drawn. It's just, I, I would be able to finish it. I would just faint and then have to be revived by the end of it. While with sewing, I would be conscious the whole time, but I wouldn't be able to complete it. <laughs> right. Well, and that's what like with, uh, like in, in Niagara Falls, our first thing was to put our, um, put our hand in a box to pick out our clue. And um, I just, launch my arm in there grab the clue because i thought you know then i'm I'm not gonna have a rattlesnake like i'm not they're, they're not gonna kill me on the first you know in the first uh, episode or so i thought you know these these snakes are non-poisonous so just put your hand in like go and grab it and joanne hates snakes i mean just hates them it just is petrified of them and she put her arm in and 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 grabbed it and went out but it was the adrenaline for her overtook the um, the fear, um, and I think for me it was just like, well, they're not going to make me do something that I that's really going to hurt, hurt me. So don't don't worry about that. Um, and and so it's also like when you look at, and it's funny how the different tricks, um, which are kind of neat, where you know uh, if you do the first task and the second person has to do the second task. Well, Joanne and I had already talked through who was going to do what type of tasks. Um, and so that's why it's good for us to look at the, look at it. Um, and being the second or third or fourth team at a, at a particular place is good because you, you can see what the tasks is. You may not know what the task is before you um, choose. And so you may choose thinking, like I know with ours, when we got to the, the line dancing, it says, who wants to get in line? And we're at a steakhouse, and we thought, oh, it's all-you-can-eat steak. And Joanne was really hungry. So, <laughs> she, so, we, so we got in. We thought it was an eating contest or had to eat a steak. And it was like, uh, she goes, oh, I'll do it. And so it was dancing, which was so lucky because I'd, I'd still be there doing the line dancing. Uh, and that's why when you have teams that are kind of – it doesn't really matter which, like whether it be Jet or Dave. It didn't really matter who chose the who chose to do the task. But you have other teams where there's a big um, disadvantage when one person does a particular type of task, and and that's uh, that's oftentimes where um, uh, you know the depending on the clue the, what what happens. So. And I think uh, Michael would be very remiss if I didn't mention the probably the team he really wants to be on uh, All Stars would be. Suki and Jinder, um, we're actually set, I think we're going to have Jinder on, we were supposed to interview him a week ago, but uh, we had to reschedule with him. Please say hi to them for me, I I had lunch with them uh, uh, up at a golf course uh, in Milton, they they were in town and and we met and uh, had lunch. Um, They were like a married couple, they were were so funny because they were saying, what are you going to have? Oh, I don't know. What are you going to have? It's like I'm thinking, are they, are they brother and sister? Or are they married? Like this is what married couples do. But they they were funny and really nice people. Um, uh, and it was uh, Sean King has a he uh, season two that he was in with them. He said they're they were a lot of fun. But you know, you put Suki and Jinder along with Brett and Holly, uh, along with uh, Rex and Bob. You could have some fireworks there. That could be a very interesting, uh, interesting group. 
I think Suki and Jinder are responsible for one of the funniest Amazing Race moments ever with their fast forward. It it cracks me up every time I think about it with just them having to do the life drawing together. It just is so funny. I would call it embarrassing, but, uh, you know, I just it's everyone has their own take well, on it. Well, well, when other versions have done that task, it's been kind of like the friend teams who've done it. So to have that task appear in Amazing Race Canada and then have it be the most awkward relationship possible right. is just so funny. Like you couldn't, well, you couldn't script well, it. Cormac and Nicole, Michael. Oh, God. That's right. Yeah, I was going to say a, 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 father, a, a, a son and a mother would be a little more. <laughs> that would be rather embarrassing. But, uh, yeah, I, uh, that one I might have passed on the fast forward. But, uh, uh, yeah, I, I definitely would shave the head, though. Joanne, Joanne already said before we started the race, she goes, she goes, don't worry, I'll shave my head if we have to. I said, okay, we're, that's a go. So we're... Uh, we're all in for shaved heads. Um, the new paintings, I'm not sure, but shaved heads we're, we're good with. Well, you, you said that people were struggling with Joanne's hair. It'd be a great way to, <laughs> to solve that issue out as well. No, no hair well, to that, criticize. Exactly, exactly. But you could, people would say, oh, that, that head is kind of fun, funny looking. It's, it's like... A, <laughs> It's like a pyramid, you know. How did you get that? But, uh, but yeah, it's it's uh, as I said, it, it of all the things I've done, this is uh, it, it's a, it's a great memory, and life is about building memories. And as you can see, you know, through our our discussion here, I can remember every minute of every moment of that race, every minute. Most of the time, I go through life, I couldn't remember what I had for lunch yesterday. Um, but I could tell you what I ate every minute of that race. I could, I know exactly what I did. And so it, you're actually really living, which is kind of an, an, uh, an interesting thing that the, the time we were on our race, we were really living both the highs and lows of it. So, uh, as I say, if anybody has an opportunity to ever participate, you'll really live. And that's kind of a neat thing to, to be a part of. Not to get too heavy and philosophical, but uh, sometimes I do. I would say, yeah, it was roughly the same for me when I did my backpacking trip a year and a half ago. I did four months just going by myself through Europe and Cuba. And I remember so much more in detail of almost each individual day on that trip than probably anything from like the past 10 years. Yeah, and you really feel that you lived through that four months. Like it's... uh um, th- there's been few things that, that I, I've done, uh, you know, uh, that, that kind of equal that, uh, uh, two years ago, Joanne and I, um, and our daughter trekked from, through Ireland, uh, through the, um, Kerry way. Um, and we just hiked through there. We did 150 kilometers in four days and, um, and uh, hiked through the, uh, through there from, from, uh, yeah, from Killarney. And it was, um. It was, you know, it was fantastic. I remember every second of it. And the amazing race is like that. You remember every second, every moment of the things you do. And the unfortunate part, especially in our season, is that, is that we didn't really enjoy it. Like, um, we didn't, like Jet and Dave did. They enjoyed it. They they took it in and enjoyed the moment. We didn't. We we um, we focused on it we we made it um like a mission like it was uh we're we're going to do our best um but we didn't step back and really enjoy uh the downtime 
and enjoying the as and nearly as much as we should have. And uh, and and as I said, if we were to do it again, that would be the biggest difference. Um, I would uh, uh, take it in and enjoy the moment as opposed to. Um, um, you know, I enjoy, enjoyed the memories afterwards, and I've enjoyed the people that I've um, now call friends. I've enjoyed all of that element, but I, I truly didn't um, embrace it. Uh, and I, I don't know if the other racers you've talked to over the years, if they, you know, say similar things or not, but I, I know that's uh, certainly how, how I feel, feel about it. Yeah, typically the people who come onto our podcast are, are big fans of, of their experience. No one has... No one's been able to find a fast racer to come on here and just say, oh, my experience on the Amazing Race was complete shit or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think um, it's, uh, you know, it, it's a memory. And, and you know, it's uh, uh, for those teams that, that won, it's, uh, it's, they don't know what it's like to lose, and, and, uh, and, and they have all good memories. For every other team, you know, you are eliminated is um you don't want to hear that again right so and that's why i that's why i asked to be the host of the show because i wouldn't be eliminated <laughs> but i think they made a, a, a great selection with uh, john montgomery and i think uh um he fit the demographic that they were shooting for a lot than i would have so i think it's uh they, they made a very good choice and john has gotten i i would say that john has gotten uh, better and better each season he's uh, he's he knows he knows what he's doing very very well and in the first season with us he was uh, uh, just learning the ropes and um, but you know he was he was in waters he'd never been before um, but he's certainly uh, done well and learned uh, uh, learned how to be a very good presenter I think he's better than Phil but that's just my opinion. What's your favorite uh, moment with John Montgomery? Because he doesn't tweet uh, Michael and I as much as we used to. We mainly have to rely on tweets from uh, Mike Bickerton uh, nowadays. <laughs> Who um, well, isn't a big fan of us. A fan of you. He's not a big uh, fan of you, Michael. <laughs> well, I guess the um, the one thing about John is that we we never see him. Like, we never talk to him. Um, before it started, we had the. Uh, I'm sure you're familiar with the picture of all ten team, all uh, of our the ten teams. Was it ten or nine, nine, uh, nine. teams? Nine in our season, yeah. Um, in all the nine teams in front of the Air Canada jet, um, that was uh, probably the most time that we ever spent with John. Um, we didn't even know who he was. Like, who's this, who's this guy walking around? Okay, wearing a leather jacket. Like it was like we, and then it was. Cause, and, and nobody's talking to anybody. Like we're, we're sitting together and we're not allowed to talk to anybody else. And we're in the Air Canada hangar. And uh, so and it was funny because it was the same hangar um, that we were, Joanne and I were in years earlier shooting one of our first body break episodes, um, So which was ironic. But uh, we, we never – when, when you get to the mat, you are literally whisked away into a car in, at the hotel and then you have – food delivered to you or your room so you you have no you have maybe i don't know two minutes with john three minutes uh, with john talking and then you're gone and so you the only time i saw john was um on the um clapathon um on center island uh and he was he was there we were all there most of the day waiting it was so cold although it was in may it was freezing um there that we're all, uh, all, 
all of us, all teams were in the washroom on Center Island waiting for the uh, the, the teams to come in, and that was. And John actually brought his uh, gold medal uh, there, and so he was showing us his gold medal, and that was. Um, um, that that's and I I probably talked to him for two or three minutes, um, uh, you know, very little interaction, and I had a little interaction with him um, in Edmonton, a uh, different time I went to speak. And uh, he's with the same speaking bureau that we were with. So I knew he was going to be speaking to the Alberta Teachers Association the day before. And we were speaking to them the next day. So I went to his his talk that he that he does. So I uh, went and saw his talk and then I went and uh, talked to him for two or three minutes afterwards. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we, we don't really have you know much of a connection um, uh, with him or, or you know, uh, you know, at all, I, I, you know, don't, I just see him on TV and I think he, he does a, a, a good, a very good job. And, um, and I think one of the things that the Canadian uh, season did, you would, you guys would probably know this more than I did compared to the Asian ones and whatever. I think John was one of the first to actually start participating in the activities. I don't know if the Australian one did that or not, but where he's actually doing the, uh, the, the task and then I noticed that Phil started to do uh, the a couple of the, the things like that after John seemed to do it but um, I, I might be mistaken about that but uh, uh, I thought that's good when you know jump John jumps off the bridge or or jumps out of the uh, does does the task I think that's that's um, that's pretty good so yeah I think John was one of the first to do it. Some of the hosts do try and participate, maybe not to the same extent that John does. John does do it a lot more than everyone else. Yeah, it's uh, and it's uh, I, I like what I I enjoy is I like trying to guess where uh, where the teams are going to go. And it's funny because we're sitting in Niagara Falls in the hotel room, and they tell they told us in our season that we were going to be shoot we were only going to be going in Canada, and um. And we said, oh, that, that's fine because we'll have an advantage because Canadians will help us, right? That's mm. what we thought. Oh, Canadians will help us. But Joanne says, you know what? I think we're going to go to Paris. I said, why? She said, well, they asked. They told us we needed our passports. I said, yeah, I know, but, but they that's the whole thing of the show. you got to have your passport when you're – that's just – you know, you're, we're not going to Paris. Joanne thought every leg, the next leg, we were going to go to Paris. I said, <laughs> we're not going to Paris. <laughs> so, so it's – None of it is like the Paris of the North. That, that's right. That's right. So, but uh, no, I, uh, I I do think you know um, that people. Um, I hope the Canadians support the show, you know, and I I'm interested to see what the numbers are for this season. Uh, I know it's the most watched summer show, uh, you know, in, in Canadian history. But um, you know, I, I you know the 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 station will keep coming back with season after season. If the numbers stay strong, and and uh, I know last season was I think about million seven or million eight or something that per episode. You guys were at three pretty much the whole time. Yeah, it it was the most watched season uh, of them all, and so and you wonder why, like why did, is it you know people stream stream more now than they did you know five years ago or six years ago? Did they you know you're watching more things on your phone? You know is it like, why is it that the the numbers have have gone down, and is that why they may you know call it reboot with a, an all star to get the numbers back up? But the numbers are still pretty, really, really good. Um, Philly, yeah, huge know, percentage of the Canadian population. 
Well, to, to give you an idea, we were when we were in Niagara Falls. I remember uh, John Brunton, um, the executive producer. We were standing around prior to they're all getting the camera set up, and he 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 was talking to a couple other people about Big Brother. And the day that Big Brother, their their Big Brother Canada, the night before was their finale show. The next day was our kickoffs. So that was on a Thursday night. And I guess there was some accident that the person voted for the wrong <laughs> person or something to that effect. And yes. There's a big <laughs> boo-ha-ha about it. But John Brunson was going through the numbers and saying, oh, our numbers are great you know, for Big Brother. They're really great numbers. And somebody asked him, I can't remember who, said, you know, what, what would be good numbers for this? He said, well, gee, if we got a million people, that would be spectacular. Um, and so their, their expectation and hopes were if they got a million people, that would be just, they'd be, you know, into the moon. So when they got three million, it was astonishing, um, just astonishing numbers. Um, so, you know, it's, uh, and, and when, when they added up the repeats um, that they did on TSN and the other thing, it was like 10 million um, people. Well, you know, a third of the country is watching the show. I mean, that was that's, insane. That's, it is pretty, pretty crazy. So and it was it, it's, it, you know, very proud of being a part of that, you know, a very small part of it, but a part of a, a very successful show. Uh, but anyway, no, I uh, well, I, you know, I appreciate you guys reaching out to me and uh, uh, we appreciate your time. Yeah, no problem. So don't edit me and make me sound like I'm really f bombing everything, right? So, yeah, I can't promise. <laughs> that, that's right. Look, what I want is it to get to the point where you have to release a statement about the podcast. It's that it's free publicity. <laughs> what is that in page forty two of the contract, Michael? That's right. That's right. That's right. No, uh, so I hope you guys get on it. I hope uh, you know you, uh, you Logan, you, you get your opportunity. Um, one day michael being uh, being in britain uh, you, we'd need our own version first yes <laughs> or you have to get canadian citizenship so i guess that would be the <laughs> yeah I, I think honestly the producers would take one look and go oh god he's trouble <laughs> well no it's uh it's, it's, a, it's a great experience so uh it uh who would you go on with uh logan uh my brother-in-law oh okay Okay. Yeah, that's good. It's uh, at least not your sister or something. That would, you know, the brother's sister. You know, and, and that's that's one of the things you, you have to think is that uh, when we do a lot of talks, um, and we, if we if we one of our talks is um, is titled entitled U terms, right? So how do you turn around things in life that are a negative into a positive? So we kind of play off of the Amazing Race, but one of our um, one of our questions, we have a, a polling thing where we ask people to go to their cell phones and we that we ask poll questions and we can see it on live right during our presentation. So we ask a question, our question, one of the fun questions is we, we have health questions and so forth that we ask them. And then one of the questions we ask them is, would you do the amazing race with your partner? Um, uh, hell yes or hell no. And I would say 80% of the people say hell no. Um, and we ask people why they wouldn't do it, the amazing race with their partner. And it, inevitably, it's always the same answer. Uh, the a woman will say, I would kill him. 
that, that's what they say. I'd kill my husband or we would kill each other. Like it was literally, they would, they couldn't uh, work together. And I always think, I see you live together. You're going to do this for the rest of your life, but you couldn't do the amazing race for a month. Um, okay. But they're, they're very uh, adamant about that. And, and it's, it's just interesting that uh, who you pick as a partner is, is critical in the, in the, in your, obviously in your success. Anyway, so what I'll say is until next time, uh, Michael and Logan, keep fit and have fun. Thanks, Al. <laughs> say a lot. <laughs> okay, then take care, guys. Bye. Bye-bye. So thank you for listening to this Amazing Race Canada podcast. You can join us next week for another interview. If you've got any questions, feel free to contact us on our Facebook page, Reality TV Warriors, on our Twitter account, RTV Warriors, our own Twitter pages, MJ Armstrong for me, and Logan Supercracky for Logan. See you next week. Peace out and just chill till the next interview.